Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. I could take this. I could take this kind of January. I don't know about you, but uh, when you don't have to wear a real winter coat outside, I mean, I'm not walking 14 city blocks, but to go from my car to the front door, or surround the block, and you don't have to bundle up, I'll take that. I'll take that as a grizzled Saskatchewanian. I am Michael Ball. That is Sean Kleisinger across the board. Looking very hip today. You got your Thanks, bu- brother. You got your Bucks toque on with the dark. Shades. Big win last night. Yeah. Who did they play last night? Last night was uh how come I can never I, can I don't never know. Remember. It was the Knicks the other night. Oh, Atlanta Hawks. Oh. Beat I, them. I, we blew a big lead again, but we won. So, so that's all uh, that matters. I don't know of any other Milwaukee Bucks fan. That's too bad. Is that kind of the method to your madness when you cheer for teams? I mean the Packers are popular, I guess you like the Habs, but is that a method to your madness? No, no, not at all. Like I, I, uh, I. People... The reason I like the Bucks yep. is the 2001 Eastern Conference Championship when the Bucks lost yep. to the Philadelphia 76ers and Allen Iverson when we yep. had Ray Allen and the boys on the team. Yeah. For some reason, I caught myself cheering for the Bucks because they were big underdogs in that series, and I was what nine years old at the time. And ever since then, you know, I I was a Bucks fan, but I wasn't like a huge fan in the early to mid two thousands. But then I kind of picked up steam as the years went on. They say the the window for cheering for teams is between the ages of nine and twelve. If that's who you like, mm-hmm. then that's who you'll always like. I like the Edmonton Oilers at the age of nine because I would have been 1981. They were just come, Gretzky and the boys. They were just rolling. They beat the Habs in the playoffs when I've told this before, when the playoffs used to go, uh, 116, 215, 314 in the NHL. I think the Oilers were 14 seed and Montreal was three seed and the Oilers beat them in three straight because the best of five. And ever since then, I was an Oilers fan. Stole your heart. Very first game I ever watched in the NFL that I remember because we only got one a week back in the day. Not like you young kids out there where you get everything, fantasy, football, everything. We used to get one game a week. I remember watching Air Coriel and the San Diego Chargers against Don Shula, Don Str- Rock and David Woodley, Tony Nathan and the gang, and the Miami Dolphins in the Orange Bowl. It was the 81 season, but the 82 playoffs, and the Chargers won that epic overtime game where Kellen Winslow Sr. had to be helped off the field. Yeah, it was 41-38. Yeah, 41-38 with Rolf Benershka kicking the field goal, but it was Dan Fouts, and I thought, these guys throw the ball like a CFL team, like a Warren Moon. That's who I'm going to cheer for, and their unis were tight. They were tight. Back then, So, and, and there again, I was 9 going on 10, there's who I liked. And then, uh, right around 12 years old, 
The San Diego Padres with the slick-hitting Tony Gwynn, maybe the greatest hitter of our generation. I thought, okay, I don't mind. I don't mind him. I like those kind of brown unis. <laughs> yeah, those unis are tight. So it had nothing to do with both teams being in San no, Diego? No, just complete just, different yeah. cases. And, and how many, really, honestly, how many Charger fans do you know? There aren't that many. I went to high school with one. Yeah. Outside of that, I don't. Yeah. Uh, Tyrell Perella, he was my uh, okay. right tackle in high school. And how many? I know a handful of Padre fans. That's it. They got a little I don't hot. Know any People fans. were really into him last year because they finally started to do something. But so that's why. So just interesting to see you're wearing a Bucks thing. I respect you for that. Oh, I respect thank you, you man. for that. Um, winter meetings wrapping up in the CFL. The Alouettes are confident in getting Trevor Harris signed to an extension. So there's some news. Trevor Harris, one of the free agent quarterbacks, crossed with, him off the list. I guess, huh? Well, maybe riders. it's not done yet. Along with the likes of Nick Arbuckle, Dane Evans is not a free agent, but he's not guaranteed any money till training camp, so the trade could be made depending what Hamilton does with Bo Levi Mitchell because they own his rights. I've been trying to do some digging on that, too. I'm getting conflicting reports. We had Rob Fry, the agent, on, and I checked with a couple of other people, too, on this. I thought one of the perks for trading for Bo Levi Mitchell's rights is that he's your guy. And if he's your guy, you can guarantee part of his contract. Like, for instance, Zach Kalaros... In 2025, if he gets hurt and doesn't play, or if they cut him or whatever, the Bombers still have to stroke him a check for $250,000. That's some pretty good change in the CFL. Yeah. So, so Zach Kalaros is guaranteed a job unless he gets, well, he's guaranteed a job. He's got a contract. That's good. I'm happy for the players. I always side with the players. But I thought Hamilton could do that. And some people tell me Hamilton can, and some people tell me Hamilton can't. A couple of team personnel around the league say, no, they can't. I thought they could because he's there. He's not a free agent. He's their player. Like he's technically the quarterback of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Well, maybe they only can until he becomes a free agent. Like, That's what I mean. Yeah. So if they're going to offer him a deal, I'm just interested to see. But like Bolivar, he doesn't want to do that. He wants to test the market. Yeah, but he, so yeah, oh, he does. What's the perks in well, having his rights? Hey, if they, they give, talk to him? If they give him a deal that starts with a five and guarantee him some cash, that's the only team, if those rules are correct, that's yeah. the only team that could do it. The, the Riders, per se, couldn't do yeah. it or Toronto yeah. or something. So, And it's going to be very interesting to see what Toronto does because I haven't seen McLeod Bethel-Thompson yeah, hasn't decided what he wants to do yet. Are they going to keep him? Resign him? Are they going to go with the young guy Kelly? Interesting time. Maybe the Riders' uh, plan B would be Chad Kelly. Maybe. Is there enough to go on there, though? Although I, th- I think Chad Kelly might be under contract with the. That's Arbors. what I mean, though. Would you trade for Ooh, tra- Chad Kelly? Uh, uh, I don't know. I-, I wouldn't bank on one yeah. one two good drives in the Grey Cup. We're supposed we're supposed <laughs> to be we're supposed to be joined by Craig Dickinson after five, provided his cell service. Uh, Hooks up with us. Tell you what, 335-ish, we're going to be joined by this guy, Brett Jones. Wayburn's own Brett Jones. Regina Ram Brett Jones. Calgary Stampeder Brett Jones. Minnesota Viking Brett Jones. Denver Bronco Brett Jones. New York Giants Brett Jones. Danced in a Super Bowl commercial, by the way, if you remember. So he is living in Regina. We'll ask him about his football future, going to med school. One ties into the other, and... 
Does he want to play football again? Does he want to play CFL football again? Does he want to play Saskatchewan Rough Riders CFL football? Lots of questions to get to with Brett Jones. The Denver Broncos have the first interview with Sean Payton. It will go down on Tuesday. Cardinals also interested in Payton. Broncos will meet with Rams D coordinator Raheem Morris later Tuesday afternoon. So a double dip there. Chargers coach Brandon Staley. It seems like people want his job and he just handed them the knife last weekend when he dressed his veterans and played them well into the third quarter. He's like, he's basically begging people to take his job, including Sean Payton. Cause here's the deal. If Mike Williams is playing zinger and Mike Williams, a former Clemson receiver is healthy like he, he made one of the nicest catches you'll see anywhere this year. Spinning, toe-tap, and catch might have been the best catch of the season, including Jefferson's catch in Buffalo. Because Jefferson had to use the defender for help to catch the ball. Yeah. This guy didn't. Screw that catch. But, but, but Williams, has, he's, he has injury problems. He got a back contusion. He hasn't practiced all week, even though Staley said he was going to practice. And so if he doesn't play... Uh, I, I like the Chargers' chances. Until then, it's going to be very interesting. There was no business in him playing, and if they don't win, and that's a main reason they can't move the football, he should get his ass fired. Tom Brady's time of the Buccaneers will continue for at least one more game as they play Monday Night Football against Dallas. Now, his career may or may not continue after this year, but I'm thinking it might. And here's a reason why. People were wondering why he took time off during training camp. Probably has to do with his failed marriage. But we're dotting the I's and crossing the T's now. I read a story online. Maybe it all lines up to the fact that him and his wife, a little bit of financial stress because they invested in that FTX cryptocurrency that collapsed. Remember the dude that got uh, arrested for fraud? Well, they're tied up in the lawsuit right now, and they lost a lot of money in that. So um, Tom Brady and Giselle in financial distress. Well, I don't, maybe Brady has to play a little more. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just maybe I'm grasping for straws here, but he lost a lot of change in that thing. He did, and, and no uh, FDX uh, now tied up in lawsuits, and he was a uh, him and Giselle along with others were like spokespeople for the company, so they're investigating investigating that as a Ponzi scheme. You never want to have your name tied up with. Ponzi scheme in the same sense. Yeah. Derek Carr bid farewell to yes. the Las Vegas Raiders That's today. That's right. Now he hasn't been traded yet. Where do you think Carr ends up? Uh, if you're a bet man. I think the New York Jets, I think they're a starting quarterback away from being a, a, a good team. A, a good team. Yeah. Carolina Panthers. The Colts need a quarterback. The Ca- Panthers. Colts could be a good one. Yeah. Uh, some people say the Green Bay Packers, but you know, no, if no, it's no. not going to be Rodgers, it's going to be Jordan I could Lowe. see Carr. I could see Carr. In Indianapolis. They have never been able to get a fix since Andrew Luck. Can you imagine if, obviously, Derek Carr's done in Las Vegas, right? So they need a starting quarterback, right? Yep. And who's their star receiver there? Devontae Adams? Yeah. Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. Could he go to Las Vegas? Are they going to give $60 bucks up for that, though? The, 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 The bottom line is... Whether Rodgers plays in Green Bay or not, the Packers are going to have a forty million dollar cap hit yeah. this year. How about so, the, how about how about he's playing? In Green how about Bay. this? How about this? Tom Brady loses yeah. either this week or next week. Goes from Tampa to Vegas with his old OC Josh McDaniels, who by the way is overrated as a head coach in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So Brady goes there, got good weapons, and Carr goes to Tampa where they've got good weapons and a good defense. How about Carr in Tampa? Carr in Tampa could work. 
Interesting. I think Carr is just one new team away from like I. Th- I still think he's a pretty good quarterback. Well, he's in the top. He's in the top third of quarterbacks in the top league. echelon. Yeah, for sure. Uh, NHL tonight, twelve games. Calgary's back in St. Louis. They played there two nights ago. Lost four three in overtime. Winnipeg's at Buffalo. They just said their five game heater. Uh, Put on the put on the ropes there, and and they stopped that five game win streak in Detroit with a seven five loss. Toronto's in Detroit, Ottawa's at Arizona, and Nashville at Montreal. They honor PK Subban yeah, tonight. I was going to say, yeah, he played with both of those teams. Um, we'll get to some other uh, news a little later on. Uh, we will tell you tonight the Raptors home to Charlotte. When we come back. We're going to head to uh, Winnipeg. Bonfire Sports' is Darren Bombing joins us here on the Sports Cage on the Western Pizza Hotline on 620 CKRM. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Sports Cage coming to you live from downtown Regina, the corner of 12th and Rose. We know you have choices, so wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. I want to give a shout-out to Mason Nias, friend of the show. His dad, Perry, was on here a couple of days ago celebrating his 40th anniversary in radio. Mason Nias is 25 years of age. He's on the Riders negotiation list. As far as I know, they haven't reached out to him as of yet. And I want to say hi to Chevy Johnston listening to the show from Johnston's Grain. They uh, are sponsors of the radio station in various capacities. Maybe they want to sponsor something on the sports cage where we can give them shout-outs like Hey Chevy, how's it going? I talked to Chevy a bit today. Good guy. He's at that, uh, I believe it's, I forget what the name of the, is it Crop Production Show in Saskatoon or something like that? Yeah, that sounds about right. Is that right? right? I think it is. The Crop Production Show, anyway. uh, A big trade show going on in Saskatoon. Hi to our farming community listening. All right, let's head out in the Western Pizza Hotline. Western Canadian Crop Production Show. Okay, there you go. By the way, before we get to the great Darren bombing, uh, the old... uh, Connor Bedard draft tanking status, okay? Check this out. Number one right now, the Blackhawks. Number two, the Blue Jackets. The third worst team, the Ducks. Then we got the Coyotes. And we got the San Jose Sharks. That's your top five list. What do you think? What do you think Bedard? Bedard would look Ooh. the best in the Blackhawks oh, uni. That's one of the sexiest unis yeah. around, man. I could see him, Blackhawks, I could see him in Anaheim, though. Oh, I, I, don't want, I don't want him to go there. In Anaheim, yeah. Out of all these teams, San Jose, Arizona, Anaheim, Columbus, Chicago, the sexiest team, there ain't no doubt about it. Well, it's Chicago. The Chicago Black it's Hawks. Chicago. Montreal's not too far off, by the way. Montreal's just above. Yeah. They have one point more than San Jose. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Imagine him in a hab, Habitant jersey. Yeah, Habitant. Well, you mean in two hot markets, uh, Montreal and Chicago. Let's head out in the Western Pizza Hotline and speak with Darren Bombing from Bonfire Sports. How you doing, Darren? Hey, I'm well, guys. How you doing today? Good, buddy. So, Winnipeg Jets, man, I, I thought they'd bounce back. Now, this isn't a big, like, oh, wow, look at the Jets. They had a Vesna type of goalie, but it, it's got to be the Rick Bonus factor, isn't it? It is, in my mind, absolutely. You know, the, the, the style of hockey they play the rejuvenation of not just Connor Hellebuck or Josh Morrissey or Mark Shifley into a 200-foot player, something that maybe he wasn't, um, you know, so consistent at through the first, you know, uh, number of years of his career. Um, it, it is a whole bunch of guys, so it has to be the head coach. There is no captain of this team. One of the first things Rick Bonus did was take the C off of Blake Wheeler's chest He's playing well. He seems to be in a much better mood off the ice than uh, maybe he had 
uh, with, you know, a lot of commitments as the captain to the media over the last number of years. Um, and uh, it, it just seems like from a game-to-game basis, the consistency is there. The buy-in is there. They're a much better hockey club on paper and off paper today than they were last year. Darren, how could Blake Wheeler be in a better mood when he broke his testicle? Like the dude took a puck right off the grape from from Wheeler, like he, uh, he or from uh, Morrissey. He took a shot from Morrissey and it broke one of his grapes. Yeah, hey, you know one of the one of the first things Blake Wheeler said was, I, "I'm glad I'm done having kids." He's got three beautiful children uh, and and a lovely wife. Um, you know, uh, they spend a lot of time here in Winnipeg during the hockey season. Of course, being a Minnesota native. Uh, and, uh, you know, familiar with this part of, of the continent. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that, that was obviously an unfortunate thing. We didn't know at the time that that was the case. It was yeah. Blake Wheeler tried to come back onto the ice after taking a shot to the midsection. Day or two goes by. He's suddenly getting groin surgery. And then I think it was The Athletic that reported uh, that it was, um, you know, a ruptured testicle for Blake Wheeler. Glad to hear he's doing okay. Glad that his family uh, is, uh, you know, uh, uh, complete for, for lack of a better way to put it. But uh, I just mean that, you know, the pressures yeah. that Blake Wheeler was feeling over the last number of years, a little bit testy, pardon the on-the-nose pun, a little bit, uh, uh, you know, uh, aggravated at times with the the ups and downs of the team. I think less media responsibilities, more just go to the rink, show up every day, be the veteran leader you are, uh, and, and, you know, bust your tail on the ice like he always has, a high-effort guy. Uh, I think life as a hockey player is a lot simpler for Blake Wheeler. Darren Bombing in Winnipeg, Bonfire Sports. He's got his uh, finger on the pulse of everything sports in Winnipeg and surrounding area. So, uh, yeah, I I, uh, I watch the Jets. I don't cheer for the Jets, but I do appreciate them. And the one guy I do appreciate, I think, is one of the most underrated players in the league. If he was playing somewhere bigger uh, than the Canadian Prairies, Kyle Connor would be a superstar. He's an underrated player. No question. Last year was an outstanding year for him, and I was really pleased that he did get that league-wide recognition in winning the Lady Bing Trophy. I Mm -hmm. think he only took one penalty last year. He's got a handful this year, but uh, he plays the game the right way. And while he has really been known through the first uh, number of years of his career as a goal scorer, especially in the first half of the season, he has set up uh, line mate Mark Shifley for a whole pile of goals this year. He has just really rounded his game out. He is dangerous with the puck and without it. Um, and, you know, he's somebody that is scoring on more than just the Winnipeg Jets power play. Uh, it's amazing that he is a native to the northeastern part of the United States. And in his draft year, the Winnipeg Jets selected him after the Boston Bruins selected three picks in a row in the first round. So maybe a bit of a, uh, you know, what a coulda, shoulda for the Boston Bruins um, to, to bring home a guy that, um, you know, played at the University of Michigan and is from, um, you know, uh, Massachusetts. But, uh, you know, he's not a, a Boston Bruin. He is a Winnipeg Jet. But, boy, is he somebody I don't think he's done growing yet either. And I mean just as a hockey player on the ice. Mm-hmm. The numbers um, you know, goals one year, assists the next, uh, a very well-rounded player. And, yeah, no question, if he was playing in Boston, uh, they would be talking about him uh, and, and, you know, pumping his tires like they do a Brad 
Marchand. Um, you know, if, if there's ever an Olympic team once again, he is going to be a top six player on Team USA. Winnipeg is very competitive in terms of sports entertainment dollars with all the teams playing there. It's actually remarkable all the teams that play out of there. But what's going on with the Winnipeg Ice in this rink or their lack of? Yeah, it's a little bit of an interesting situation. You know, the the ice came here with promise that uh, a new arena would be built for them. And, well, the reality is they came here and then the pandemic hit. And you're right. There is a very competitive entertainment dollar here in Winnipeg, you know, uh, beyond the arts and the theater. Of course, sports being uh, right there and, uh, you know, summer and winter options. Uh, a lot of hockey teams here, too, right? It's not just the NHL. Right. It's the American Hockey League with the Manitoba Moose. Uh, it's, it's junior hockey um, and, and MJ and MMJHL uh, hockey as well. And, um, you know, other sports. we got a basketball team coming mm-hmm. next year in the CEBL. The Sea Bears. Oh, yes. Don't forget, Manitoba has some uh, some ocean coastline up in Hudson Bay, so the Sea Bears coming to town as well. Interesting name. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't think the Winnipeg Ice uh, are like under the thumb of the Western Hockey League, but uh, the, the reality is they have been here for a number of years now extremely competitive team you know yes. they're, they're going to be pushing for a memorial cup this year uh with, with a very very strong roster and and you know the best record um you know last time i looked in in the western hockey league uh but when that new rink is coming still no plans of that yet but uh, uh i'm sure uh ice fans junior hockey fans and families looking for an affordable option uh you know similar to in regina with the past um you know an option to uh, bring the family out uh to some entertaining hockey you know that day might be coming Soon. Got 90 seconds left, uh, Darren. Um, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, good culture there, re-signing a lot of their veterans like uh, 37-year-old Stanley Bryant, former rider Jamarcus Hardrick re-signing, uh, you know, uh, Kalaros to that deal that's got guaranteed money and good for him. I'm always for the player. But are they walking a fine line here of getting too old? You know, I asked that exact question uh, of general manager Kyle Walters uh, earlier this week, two days ago. I have that up on um, uh, on my Bonfire Sports YouTube channel. And I asked him, you know, does anxiety start to creep in? And, you know, he admitted that it actually does. Of course, this is a veteran team. It's Patrick Newfeld, a former Saskatchewan Rough Rider, who's well into his 30s. You mentioned the tackles and Bryant and Hardrick in their mid and late 30s themselves. Zach Kolaris? No spring chicken. I think there's lots of gas left in the tank there. They did get younger at tailback, uh, moving on from mm-hmm. Andrew Harris. Um, but uh, the defense, you know, with, with Jefferson and with Adam Big Hill, yeah, they are an aged-out group. We'll see if the window is still open in 2023. The one thing that they do have, uh, is continuity with the coaching staff. I think that is something that, that shouldn't be overlooked here in Winnipeg. They're a competitive team because of the coaches that they have running things. Darren Bombing at Bonfire Sports. Uh, thanks for your time. And quickly, where can they find your stuff? Bonfiresports.ca. Uh, you can also find that on your favorite podcast app. Uh, got all of our stuff up on YouTube. You just search it up, youtube.com slash bonfiresports. Love to have you on again, Darren. Thanks for your time. You got it, guys. Take care. Be well. That's Darren Bombing, Bonfire Sports. When we come back, Brett Jones. We unearthed him. We know where he is. We're going to talk to the former Stamp and NFLer and Regina Ram. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 
Your sports tickers for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. Give them a call at 781-2090. So Denver is scheduled to be the first team this month to have an in-person head coach interview with Sean Payton, per sources. And uh, the Broncos and Payton are scheduled to meet Tuesday morning in Los Angeles. If a neutral site AFC championship game is played between Buffalo and Kansas City and now has a location, it will be held in Atlanta, Georgia. And Raiders quarterback Derek Carr, he took to his social media to basically bid farewell to Raider Nation today. So where will Derek Carr end up in 2023? Well, this is normally a spot where we talk with our resident health and fitness expert, Tish Duffy, and train with Tish, but she's on vacation in Mexico. We tried to hook up, but in this day of technology, it wasn't working so good as we try to phone from Regina to Mexico. So I'll sub in for Tish and train with Tish, and I saw this online. It's easier to keep your New Year's resolution if you tell people about it, so then you're accountable. But not everyone wants to be held accountable. More than half the people trying to lose weight haven't told a single person 57 percent of people are doing it in secret so far almost a third say they don't want to feel pressured or judged if they skip a workout or say buy junk food around the same number say they're just embarrassed to admit that they need to slim down but the number one reason we don't tell anyone is so no one will know if we fail 35 percent of people who are secretly trying to lose weight said that's the main reason they're doing it on their own the average person asked said they tried to lose weight four times in the past three years so that's why they're not as confident as they could be the poll also found that young adults between the ages of 18 and 24 are the most likely to keep it a secret when they're trying to lose weight bottom line is keep trying be kind to yourself drink lots of water get in a routine Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. All right, welcome back to the Sports Cage, man. We haven't talked to this guy in a long time. It's time to head out in the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Brett Jones, former CFLer, NFLer, former Regina Ram, joining us. How are you, my friend? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me on tonight, Baldy. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on, man. It's awesome to hear from you. Now, I hear Brett Jones was helping out with the U of R Rams on a volunteer basis. Man, the Rams lucky into having a former outstanding lineman in the CFL and an NFLer helping them on a volunteer basis. What was that like for you? Uh, well, first and foremost, I again, congratulations to all the guys I helped out this year. Uh, the season definitely was great for them. I think they only gave up two sacks all year. So it just was a testament to how hard they worked. The kids are awesome to work with. But, uh, for me, I was a, uh, out of work and unemployed, uh, National Football League player or just football player in general. So I was looking for somebody that I wanted to work out with. Uh, so I reached out to my friend, uh, full friends actually, was Sheldon Neal and Roe Borgman at the University of Regina. Uh, and they spoke to Mark McConkie and they were willing to, you know, let me come in and help out. So that was, um, between, uh, time on the field. So we do an hour each night of footwork and uh, more O-line specific drills. And then we would go into the weight room for an hour. And so it was just a chance, you know, to give back, uh, have a lot of fun. Uh, I know the kids had a lot of fun. I really put the emphasis on having fun, uh, just getting better each and every day. And I think that they really uh, 
really took to it, uh, and the proof was on the field this year. So really happy for all those guys. Hey, speaking of fun, and I'll get to the kids in a second again, but is it is it more fun playing in the CFL or the NFL? I ask guys that have played in both leagues. A lot of times they tell me it's more fun playing in the CFL. Would you agree with that? Uh, definitely. I think there's uh, both pros and cons, or which would be fun in certain instances. Uh, it all depends. So in the, in the National Football League, Obviously, it's a high-stress, uh, high-pressure environment. There's a lot on the line each and every week. Uh, you make a few bad, you have a few bad games or whatever, and you could be out of a job. And uh, there's a lot of implications with you losing your job in the NFL. Um, so some of that can take it away. But if you have a really good friend group in the locker room and stuff like that, then uh, definitely that makes all the difference in the National Football League. But overall, the CFL, uh, it's such an intimate league. Uh, you're really connected with the fans. Uh, and, and you know the guys that come to work each and every day, they love the game. Um, they're not getting paid as much, so there's not as much incentive that-wise. But guys love the game in the CFL. Not to say that the NFL guys don't, but I think you're playing more of the love of the game, and you see that on, on the games each and every week in the CFL. Did uh, what you did with the Rams this year, I don't know if you fell out of love with the game. It sounds like you're still staying in shape, but did it uh, make you appreciate the game more from a different uh, vantage point now being a volunteer, going back to the grassroots where you cut your teeth in university ball? Yeah, 100%. You know, as, as much as you want to say that, well, when football's over, it's over. But uh, uh, Frank Crystal always used to say and, uh But at this point in my career, you know, getting that time away, you really you miss it. And so I was just trying to reach in anything I could to get back involved with the game because I know how much the game means to me. Uh, and I definitely think when you go back to the grassroots, it really brings back meaning and some of the reasons why you love to play the game, whether that's just the fun in the locker room, uh, with your teammates, uh, getting to learn and get better out on the field. You know, when you get to a higher level, you don't necessarily, necessarily see the gains or improvements each and every week. Uh, but when you work with those young kids and you see them getting better and their love for the game just growing, it really inspires you. And uh, definitely was a ton of fun, and I really appreciate them giving me the opportunity to do that. So is it something you want to continue doing, maybe if you, know, if you don't uh, play next year or down the road? Like, do you, do you have an appetite down the road to help in some capacity coaching? Because I know you've got other interests besides football. Yeah, definitely. I think that uh, there will never be a time in my life where I'm not necessarily connected to football in some way. Uh, I love the game. And I really love what football did for me. And so it really was able to, it was a source of inspiration and ability for me to build my self-esteem and uh, build my idea of who I was. And I think that if I can provide an opportunity for a kid to get to play, uh, especially love in the grassroots level, whether that's peewee, bantam, uh, high school, those ones really are fun because kids are playing for the love of the game. And uh, the stuff coaches say to you can really mean something to you and sort of change your life or steer you in a direction that you might not have thought of, whether you didn't think you are capable of it uh, or things like that. But if you can give that inspiration just that a few times or just go out and just uh, be present for those kids and know that they mean something to you, uh, I think that that really goes a long way. And I, football did that for me. So if I can provide that to somebody else, I definitely will. Who did that for you when you were a guy coming up? Oh, there's so many. You go back to uh, when I was a peewee coach, it was Kelly Bowman was his name. He used to race stock cars, so I thought it was super cool. He'd come to practice, and he'd always be talking about him racing cars. like Little things like that. Like, yeah, he loved football, but he had other interests. Uh, you go up to high school. I had uh, Mike Hoffman was his name. He's uh, an insurance guy, or he does uh, stuff. It was with uh, Investors Group, but he has his own thing now. Uh, again, just another volunteer coach. You go to uh, the Rams. I had the great um, – I had Sheldon Neal. I uh, had Jerry Orban. 
Uh, and I had Tom McCallum. Like, again, all volunteers, but they just loved the game. And then even as I went up, guys were paid who were in different positions, whether that was I had Mike Gibson was my coach. I could I could name them all, Pat Delmonico. Uh, but, yeah, it's just you go up. Everybody coaches for a different reason, but uh, it's the guys that really spend time being a teacher and just being more than the coach. You know that this is more than just a game. It's all about life. Uh, and they really brought a real joy and love for the game that I think I – Hope I can encapsulate and provide to the kids that I get to help too. So great Saskatchewan kid to hear, Brett Jones, former CFL and NFLer. I say former, but it seems like it's too young to do that. Now you didn't uh, you didn't play last year. Do you still have an appetite to play, Brett Jones? Yeah, definitely. I think that uh, if the time is right and if the situation is right, uh, I definitely gave a lot of thought to it. I know that. Uh, I don't want to go out. The only time I've ever had a surgery or injury that caused me not to play, like I tore both my MCLs, but those were non, uh, didn't need to be surgery repaired, but I did tear my bicep, uh, in 2021. And so I don't want to go out, you know, not on my own terms. So if there's a way for me to play, uh, in the CFL, that's something that definitely I've been researching and thinking about. You know, it's a bigger decision than just me now. I have my wife. And she's happy uh, where she is, and so I just have to make the right decision for what's good for our family uh, going forward. But uh, the CFL is something I definitely thought about and something I'll keep thinking about in the days and months ahead. When we talked a long time ago, you said, I bleed I bleed uh, red and white. Calgary Stampeder guy, okay, Brett Jones? <laughs> but you're a local guy, man. Family at season tickets at the Ryder game. Uh, riders need some retooling on the offensive line or beefing up. Uh, have the Riders reached out to you? If they did reach out to you, would you be interested in listening? Oh, definitely. I think that there's been a few teams that have reached out to me. Uh, I've obviously listened to them and heard what they have to say. Uh, but again, I have some other things I have in my life that are going on that, uh, you know, I have a commitment or a desire to do those things too. So I just need to, you know, take a real deep thought and just sit down and see what I'd like to do. I think that, uh, it's still early in the process. Um, if I do choose to play, I know I'm in really good shape. I know I can get out there and play again. Uh, all this time still training with the Rams with all those kids. Uh, it's not only for them. Sometimes I, I'm able to do the workouts with them too. So I feel like I'm in, uh, just as good a shape as I've ever been uh, and ready to go out and play forever uh, I do decide to play with. That's awesome, man. That's great news. I, I just want to see you back playing. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I hope it's in green and white, being that I'm the voice of the team, but I love the fact that you're thinking about coming back because you're definitely an inspiration for young kids in Saskatchewan, and you still got a lot of talent. I want to ask you this question because I use, the, I use you as an example sometimes. I've asked John Ryan this. And he's agreed with my mentality, but I want to bring this up to you, okay? The most important thing in the CFL is the C, Canadian, the ratio. And I said this before, if there was no ratio, I don't know if Brett Jones would have played in the CFL, been the outstanding offensive lineman, and then got a chance to make some really good money in the NFL. And it's not because Brett Jones isn't talented, because he is, but if these American coaches and GMs aren't forced to look at Canadian talent and fill ratio spots, they won't because they're just going to gravitate to what they know, the kid from Mississippi, not the kid from Weyburn. Do you agree or disagree? Uh, you know, Ballsy, I haven't really thought much about on the on the ratio or uh, what it means to have that in the place in the CFL. I think that uh, for me, all I know is that I was just really thankful that I was able to get an opportunity. And so... Uh, definitely having the Canadian ratio is something that was important for me. Um, I think that a lot of people who go to the games, 
whether that's in Regina or in uh, Vancouver or places like that, it's always great to see the hometown kid play. Uh, the NFL is different where you're, it's the, it's the pinnacle, you know, it's the highest level of, mm-hmm. of football. Uh, but not saying that the Canadian football isn't that either. But if you don't give space or opportunity for those local kids to get a chance, like you were saying, I think that, uh, you could miss out on a town like that. I think that the ratio is obviously very good to me. Um, but yeah, that's just something for other people to think about. I just more am concerned with, uh, uh, helping out those kids just so they can get a chance to do what I got to do. But yeah, uh, whatever the CFL decides to do, that's their own decision. Well, so. and, I, and I was happy that they gave you an opportunity because obviously you warranted it because uh, you are a very talented football player. Lastly, before I let you go, Jonesy, uh, you're talking about things. You've got uh, other business interests off the field, but you want to be a doctor. That's always something you've always wanted to do. Uh, where does that stand? Trying to, you're trying to get into med school right now? Yeah, definitely. So I've uh, reapplied to the University of Saskatchewan uh, for entrance into the 2023 fall term. Um, I know it's a very competitive space. Uh, a lot of the applicants are really well, well-rounded and all deserve to get in. And so I understand that it's very competitive. And so I've been practicing really hard this year. Uh, I'm just really excited for another uh, crack at it and to see what I can do. Um, I just need to do a good job conveying what I'd like to do, and hopefully it'll all work out for the best. Hey, if you don't mind me asking, what kind of doctor would you eventually like to be? You know what I'd really like to do, Baldi, is be in family medicine. I think that I'd like to work uh, in sort of a rural setting and do that. I think it would give me a great opportunity uh, to be a pillar of the community, uh, really get involved back within the community and do some of the stuff I love. I, I really would enjoy being able to volunteer and do those things. Uh, and I think that being able to be in a small town or do those things would be what I would really like to do. It's where I'm from. Uh, and, you know, all the time I had in the NFL, I had a great opportunity to live in some cool spaces or cool places. Uh, but Saskatchewan is always home, and that's just where I want to be. I love it. Okay, so lastly, just to tie it up here, Brett Jones, because I don't want to pester you more and more. We'll we'll let it simmer. But, hey, is that the is that the ball that really has to drop? You figure out what happens with med school and then go from there in terms of your football future. Yeah, definitely. I think that I've had a lot of years to play professionally. I played nine years, seven in the NFL and two in the CFL. Uh, but, you know, I'm getting older. Uh, my wife and I would like to have a little more direction of what's going to go on with our life and not always live year to year. Uh, just have a plan going forward. And if it was that I do happen to get in, it would be great. And I'd be able to, you know, plan for my future and do those things. And uh, But if that's not the case, then uh, if I don't end up getting in or whatever doesn't work out, then definitely I consider playing in the CFL or doing those things. So I think you got that right. Brett, thanks for this, man. I haven't talked to you in a while. Happy New Year and uh, best of luck with the uh, med school thing. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll see you on a football field near us soon. Thank you. Yeah, perfect. Thanks, Baldy. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage Corner, 12th and Rose. Thanks to uh, Brett Jones for joining us. Haven't heard from him for a while. He wanted me to point out, he forgot to mention as he just texted me back. I want you to thank Roe Borgman and Scott Jones and Sheldon Neal for helping during the sessions this summer. So uh, he wanted to give a shout out to those fine guys. I love that guy. He's got his head screwed on yeah, straight. Love Jones. Wants to be a rural doctor. To me, you listened to that interview. What did you think of it? What did you think about the football part of it? 
I, I, He's 31 going me on Me personally, 32. I'm kind of leaning towards him not playing football anymore. Just, I, I'm not, I don't have any inside info. Obviously, mm. it's just maybe the tone and maybe just oh, really? where, where he is. To me personally, I think maybe it's over. I hope it's not. No, I think it's but, very, but, I think it's very much on. It has to do with something the riders can control. Hmm. He didn't tell me anything. We, this was, you just heard the same thing I did. I didn't talk to him off the air or anything like that. I his you went to high school with his wife. Yeah, they're living. What's up, in, baby? They're yeah. living in town. He has a snow removal business in the Weyburn area, and he's trying to get into med school, not at the UC, at the U of S. Mm-hmm. Okay. If he doesn't get into med school, he wants to play football. He doesn't want to move around. That's what he said. To me, you put two and two together. It doesn't mean he won't move around. Like he, 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 he's Calgary. He played for the Stamps. That's where he cut his teeth. But imagine if he could reunite with like, oh, I don't know, like a Bo Levi Mitchell, and come to shivers, come to Saskatchewan. Wouldn't he instantaneously make this offensive line better? If you're Bo Levi Mitchell and you're looking around, you're going, hmm, Brett Jones, Mm -hmm. up an. Outstanding lineman in this league who played seven years in the National Football League. He's coming back. He's rested. He's ready to go. Like, so he comes in. He, you put him at center. Maybe Clarky moves over to the guard or Clarky's the center. If they do re-sign Clark and decide to come back with Dan Clark, move, move Jonesy to a guard. Like, Jonesy's a Swiss Army knife. He's like a Brandon Labat 2.0, only younger. Yeah. No. I mean... Like could you? Could Brett you Jones that? is Bre- Brett Jones is Brendan Labatt, just younger. Brendan Labatt could have played in the NFL. He didn't want to. He just wanted to race the stock cars, play in the CFL. He could have gone down to Denver. Brett Jones went to the NFL. He is Brendan Labatt, two point younger. So it comes down to medical school, Set. and it comes down to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders whether or not they offer him a contract. Wow, they're stupid if they don't. If he doesn't get into med school, and you don't make him among the highest paid linemen in the CFL, then I'm sorry, I can't help you. Then I'm sorry. Then I'm sorry. <laughs> I am not defending you. If yeah. Brett Jones wants to play and he doesn't get into med school, he better be a Saskatchewan Rough Rider. You you better give him everything you can give him allowable under the sun. Like, you get your quarterback, and you get Brett Jones. Those are your two high, highest-paid guys. Why wouldn't you want a seven-year NFL vet who's played, who's 30, I don't know how many games? He's, 30, he's going to be 32, 32 yeah. in July. Yeah. He's a stud. Yeah. Well, and it, you heard hopefully you know, we find out sooner rather well, than yeah, later. Yeah, that's the only thing. The, any CFL team, riders or anybody, they can't control meds. The guy wants to be a doctor, and he wants to be a doctor. Check this out. He wants to be a doctor in rural Saskatchewan. That's what I'm talking about, baby. Like, that's music to a lot of people's ears. Yeah. I'll tell you right now, instantaneously, if he signs with the Riders... You're getting the Jonesy jersey, his, and I am too. Well, his jersey will... I'm glad you brought that up. His jersey will go right to the top of, yeah. of sales. They'll have, it'll be one of those jerseys that are pre-made and hanging in the pro shop, you know? You won't have to get it custom made. Brett Jones snapping it to Bo Levi Mitchell. Are you kidding me? That's so. Are you kidding Let's me? Let's go. Come on now. Mitchell from the gun takes the snap from Jones. God, I hope I get to say that at least 18 times next year. Oh, man, that's Can't wait. Anyway, I'll even call Brett Jones by his middle name. Mm -hmm. Like, Brett 
Michael Jones to Bo <laughs> Levi Mitchell. I don't care. Hey, uh, check this out. This just came across. Trevor Bauer was released by the L.A. Dodgers on Thursday. He hasn't pitched since he uh, first faced sexual assault charges back in 2021. So, yeah, he is done. He but, can sign with any team for $720,000. But check this out. Check this out. This is hilarious. Does anybody else find this funny? Because I sure as hell do. Trevor Bauer had, I think, maybe two people, at the most three, that accused him of something, okay? Did he, I don't know, did he settle out of court? I'm not quite sure if he settled out of court. But check this out. He had three, okay? And they can sign him for what? 720 grand. He's free to sign anywhere. I don't know what team would take that on because that would be a PR nightmare. Or would it be? Because Deshaun Watson was accused by not one, not two, not 15, not 20, but 24 women. And he got a $230 million guaranteed contract. I'm not saying the Dodgers are great. I'm just saying the Browns and the NFL are bad. Yeah, so Bauer was reinstated in late December by a neutral arbitrator, making him eligible to play on opening day for the 2023 season. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Toronto Blue Jays. Bring them up. Let's get... <laughs> you don't care. Let's win, baby. Let's, let's rank the NFL playoff quarterbacks while we got a second, okay? Right, let's do this now. Let's do this here. Number one with a bullet, it's got to be Patrick Mahomes, right? He's the Steph Curry, the Connor McDavid. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give that to you. And number two, I got... Um, I got uh, Joe Burrow. He's got the playoff moxie. Got them to the Super Bowl. I think he sees the field better than any other quarterback. I'm going Joe Burrow number two. In the playoffs. Who would you rather have quarterbacking your team in the playoffs other than Tom Brady? I'm I'm telling you who I would. Those two guys right there. Don't take Tom Brady. Don't take Tom Brady from the last few years. Tom Brady. Now. To me, I I get the feeling that Tom Brady. He was just trying to make the playoffs. You know, mm-hmm. he was just trying to sneak into the dance. And I feel like we're gonna get a different Tom Brady. At here. number three, I've got. Uh, Josh Allen, he keeps any play alive, and he really is Buffalo's offense, yeah. okay? Yeah. At number four, I got Herbert. It's his first playoffs. Uh, he has the talent. We're going to see. You heard Mark Trestman yesterday on the show, and if you didn't, check it out in podcast form. He said this guy's elite and could be an MVP this year if they voted after the Super Bowl. He thinks he could uh, take the charges all the way. He did say that, didn't he? Yeah. I didn't say he that. Did. He did. He did. Uh, Hurts at number five. But who knows with that shoulder injury? Yeah, right? I would have him maybe lower than that. Okay, well, I got him five. Yeah. I got Brady at six. He's the GOAT. He's still better than a third of the quarterbacks in the league, period. But uh, I don't know, man. I, I think he's one and done in the playoffs. Mm. You don't? No, I, I think they're they're going to beat Brady. In the Bucs, they're going to beat the Cowboys. Okay, I put number seven, uh, Lamar Jackson. Talented man, but he's injured and might not play. So, mm. I don't know. I got him at seven. At eight, I got Trevor Lawrence. I would have Trevor Lawrence above Jalen Hurts at this point. Jalen really? Hurts coming back okay. from a shoulder injury. Okay. Hurts or uh, Lawrence playing the way he is on a hot roll right now. I'm interested to see if the moment's too big for him. That's yeah. that's the most intriguing game to yeah. me, and not just because my team's playing at it. I got Dak at nine, but that depends on what kind of Dak we get. We could get good Dak or the Dak Prescott from the last two weeks. Same with Kirk Cousins. I got him at ten for playoff quarterbacks. Oh, God. Depends on what Kirk we get. 
matter what time of day it is. Afternoon, great. Evening, he sucks. He sucks in prime time. Uh, Daniel Jones. He doesn't feel like a playoff quarterback to me, Zinger. Uh, all credit to Brian Dable for getting him to the playoffs. Uh, they don't have a lot of weapons on offense. Uh, Saquon Barkley is going to yeah. beat Daniel Jones' best friend. <laughs> uh, I got Geno, uh, Geno Smith. At uh, at number uh, twelve for the quarterbacks in the playoffs, great season. I'm surprised he's on a playoff list because I didn't think they'd be in the playoffs. But let's be honest, they're not making it past Boson round one. Mm, no, no, I don't. I don't see it. <laughs> I think that game's going to be yeah. an absolute yeah. blowout. Even Pete Carroll said earlier this week. Ah, unfortunately, mm. we have to play the San Francisco. 49ers. How do you think Brock Purdy plays? He's number thirteen on my list. Uh, I don't think he needs to do too much with that San Francisco mm. team. They got a great mm. defense, special teams, great running back, like. The quarterback in that on that team doesn't have to yeah. do much. And the, so. and the lowest ranked quarterback in the playoffs, without a doubt, is Skylar Thompson. Who the, Who hell, the is hell is that? Who is that guy? Man? He sounds like he does. Doesn't he sound like a bench player for the Charlotte Hornets? He does. Skylar Thompson. I gotta get a visual on how he looked. Uh, yeah. Did you Google uh, it? Number nineteen. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, tight shoulder pad sleeves. <laughs> He's got a glove on one hand. Okay. You're very into He's the. Gone. You're very into the aesthetics looks of things as ter- and in fire. As far as the a players glove go, on the non-throwing hand. No, yeah. I know Bolivar wears gloves, but yeah. it's a different story yeah. here. Uh, Philip Rivers used to wear two, yeah. two gloves. All right, that'll do it for our quarterback rankings here and uh, chit chat on some uh, things going on in the sports world. Coming up, we got a great rest of the show. Four o'clock hour, a double dip with a Rash Madani. This is the Sports Cage on six twenty CKRM. Six twenty CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host Michael Ball. Time now for Coast to Coast with Arashma Danny, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all from Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between. This is Coast to Coast with Arashma Danny. We've already had Brett Jones on the show. Darren Bombing from Bonfire Sports in Winnipeg talking Jets, Ice, and Bombers. Uh, we've already talked to... to um, well, we're going to talk, sorry, to Glenn Suter, Coach Craig Dickinson, Andy McNamara, our betting expert, and this guy, we always love talking to him, usually Tuesdays and Thursdays. Sometimes our schedules don't match up, but they do today. And in this time slot here, it used to be later in the show. Now it's right smack dab in the middle, coast to coast, for our friends at Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money, and you do that by calling our friend Brian Golly over at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. He is a rash Madani. He's got his jelly-stained finger on the pulse of all things sports. How are you, Rash? Um, well, now is Brett Jones rooting for his former Minnesota Vikings mates this weekend? Didn't, he, didn't even ask him. Didn't even care. I did ask him uh, if he's interested in playing football again, and I'm glad you brought that up because we can do a little reset here if you're just tuning in. Brett Jones did join us. If you missed the interview, you can listen on our podcast. Brett said he is he, he did volunteer with the Regina Rams. He's living in town, helped coach this year at a volunteer basis. He is trying to get into the U of S med school. He wants to be a family wow. doctor, family doctor. But if he doesn't get in, 
He wants to play football again, and he would be very open to talking to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Not just the Riders, but they like it here. He's got a snow removal business in in Weyburn and, uh, you know, got some roots here in Regina. So that would be an instantaneous upgrade on the Riders' offensive line if it does come to fruition, but the dude does want to be a doctor. I uh, This has nothing to do with the Riders. This has nothing to do with the CFL. It has nothing to do with pro football. I sincerely hope for Brett Jones that he gets into med school. Mm-hmm. For How sure. How cool would that be to have two Canadians, two Canadian university football players, end up being medical doctors, really not only in the same generation, around the same grad class. Laurent Duvarney-Tardif from McGill goes down to Kansas City, just wrapped up a season with the New York Jets, won a Super Bowl with KC. Um, and now Brett Jones, after being on NFL rosters, comes back home, um, goes down the med school route. That'd be fantastic, Ballsy. Along with Andrew Buckley, who's doing the same That's thing. Right. Former quarterback right. with the Dinos and the Stampeders, who actually got more than a cup of coffee with the Stamps, got into a great cup game, as a matter of fact, and then said, you know what? I'm <laughs> going to med school. On second and short. Yeah, but but here but this is a bigger this is a bigger issue. You and I kind of touched on this and I don't want to be negative. I I'll, my goal this year is to be as, as positive as I can, but you also got to be real. Here's something sure. that the CFL faces that's a big deal. Guys like Matlin Riley, guys like uh, Adam Mackart, guys like Andrew Buckley, guys like Brett Jones. They go to school, but a lot of guys go to school, you know, their football helps them with what they really want to do in their life. They see it big picture, and the CFL doesn't pay enough money for a lot of these guys to, you know, sometimes the juice isn't worth the squeeze is what I like to say. And that's a problem that the CFL is having. So it's not only maybe the XFL or the USFL, it's what kind of dollars you can pay guys to want to continue to put their bodies on the line. Well, their bodies on their line, their brains on the line. What kind of long-term impact are they putting? Is it worth it? And it's not just the doctors and the lawyers. Like there, there are regular Many regular jobs that are going to pay more. It, it, it's interesting, Balzi. Like you talk to you talk to players, and depending on where they are in life and what their background is and what's important to them, one guy explained this to me this way: as a Canadian who played uh, university football in Canada, he said the CFL is great for three, four, five years when you come out of school. He said it kind of feels like the bridge between university and real life. You got some money in your pocket. You're still in the locker room. You get to network. You get to meet some people. You get to still have fun. It feels a little like college with a little more money in your in your wallet. But after a while, it just gets tiring. Like if you're an old lineman, like say Brett Jones. Mm-hmm. I remember talking to some linemen who say really by mid-late September, they wake up, they go to the stadium, you know, meetings, practice, treatment, etc. They go home, they nap, they wake up, watch the old TV, get some food, and back to sleep. Like, there's not much of a life because your body and your brain is just beaten to pulp because of the physical toll, Mm -hmm. the mental toll, the season takes on you. And we don't see that part of it. We don't see Mm -hmm. what it takes to be ready to play every single week, to turn it on in a violent game where every play is a car wreck. And when you do that, when that's the nature of the beast over 18 games, over one year, two years, five years, seven years, 
it just beats you to to hell. And well, wait, some of these linemen, some of these linemen, balls will say the season ends in November. I won't even think about working out until like January. I need my body to recover. Well, take one of those linemen that can't quite cut the CFL and needs some more development. Okay, just hear me out. Or a Mason Nias who de- uh, just graduated with two degrees. He's on the Riders' neg list. By the way, he turns twenty-five today. Happy birthday, Mason! But I'm using him as an example. Why? Or or Kyle Borse who's coming back to the Rams' teaching degree. Okay. Uh, or why, if a guy has one or two degrees, why would he want to go to Italy for a pittance and a piece of pizza in a global type of deal? Like you know, that was the whole part of. Well, you know, we'll have the global guys come here, but then our guys can continue their career in Venice or wherever the hell it is. How's that all worked out? <laughs> it's a head shaker. It's a head yeah. shaker. Hey, so speaking of injuries and everything like that. Damar yep. Hamlin is a, it's an unbelievable story. Uh, it's it's got to go down as the greatest sports story of the year, no doubt. I can't see anything topping it, and it only happened what a, a few days into January. If <laughs> exploit Damar if you want, take Damar Hamlin, walk him out of the tunnel by himself in the uh, opening of the game here on the weekend against the Dolphins, and Miami might as well get on the bus and go home because that will be an emotional charge. If I'm Buffalo, that's what I'm doing. And I'll tell you, you know who I would have introduce him? At the 50-yard line, Jim Kelly. Yes. Right? Like Mr. Buffalo himself. Who beat cancer. Who beat cancer. Yeah, who beat cancer. Absolutely. And and took them to three straight Super Bowls and is beloved in that town. Look, if you thought Sunday against New England was going to be lit, as the kids like to say, um, a playoff game against a division opponent with DeMar Hamlin in the house, discharged from the hospital, Mm -hmm. ho, baby. That's going to be great. Watch out. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, by the way, do you have uh, do you have any upsets this weekend in the NFL playoffs as you're looking at them right now? Upsets? Uh, I mean, look, I think the Giants-Vikings game, the Giants are a three-point dog, and I'm a Vikes fan. Mm-hmm. It took a 61-yard field goal at the buzzer on Christmas Eve in Minneapolis for Minnesota to win that game. I, I can see the Giants winning that winning that game. I don't see Seattle, no. even with Brock Purdy, you know, rookie seventh-round pick. And they open as a one-point favorite, and they're now a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Ballsy, I think you're once San Diego, now Los Angeles Superchargers, mm-hmm. are taking Jacksonville to the woodshed. Well, The they, Jaguars are so overrated. They better they better. Though they beat the Chargers big time, 38-10 in week three, but Bosa went down on that game. Rashawn Slater went down on that game. Keenan Allen went down on that game. But Brandon Staley messed up big time in a game that meant nothing. It was a glorified preseason game, and he got Mike Williams hurt. If Mike Williams can't, if Mike Williams was playing healthy or somewhat healthy, I would have agreed with you. Now I don't know. It's going to be very interesting. I, I just want to roll this by you. The Jaguars started, what, 2-7, and seven, something like that? Yeah. Look at their last three wins. The quarterbacks they went up against, Davis Mills and Jeff Driscoll, when they went into Houston, they got Joshua Dobbs the last week of the season for Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. And Zach Wilson, who Robert Sala said don't even bother showing up to the last game of the year on December 22nd. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. 
It's a very good point. Uh, and uh, so, and guess what? Your boy Herbert's yeah, a little better than those three guys. Well, we had Mark Tressman on the show yesterday, and Mark Tressman said they should hand out the MVP award after the year because I think Ju- uh, Justin Herbert will be in consideration because I think he can take the Chargers a long way. That's what Mark Tressman wow. said. That's what Tressman wow. said, not me. So very, very interesting. Do you think this is Tom Brady's last game as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer? I do. I do. It just feels like the Buccaneers run with that nucleus. Godwin, Evans, Fournette, Brady, uh, you know, that defense. I mean, all those guys on that defense. um, It just feels like this is the end. And they got their Super Bowl, and they nearly beat the Rams last year, too. And they've run it back, and it just feels like the expiry date on these Buccaneers is over. Mm -hmm. I, If we were having this conversation six weeks ago, Balsy, I would have said, I think San Francisco is the clubhouse favorite to sign Tom Brady. At this point, I don't think San Francisco wants anything to do with Tom Brady. They went from a quarterback mess to a wonderful quarterback situation. How about this? How about Brady joins his old coach, Josh McDaniels, in Vegas, and going the other way is Derek Carr to Tampa? Could see it. I mean, look, Derek Carr, there are a lot of landing spots for Derek Carr. What about Derek Carr to the Jets? Yeah, I, I like that. I like that because they'd be an instant. They would be an instant if their coach can somehow keep out of the way. They'd be an instant contender because they got a great defense. How about this one? And it's not going to get a lot of traction, but think about it because they have themselves a bunch of picks now. They're a playoff team. I don't think anybody believes in Drew Locke or Geno Smith long term. What about? What about Derek Carr in Seattle? Very interesting. Hey, Arash, we'll get to some CFL talk, uh, and we'll start with Nathan Rourke because he'll probably be gone to the NFL. I got a question for you as it relates to that, maybe two. This is Arash Madani, Sportsnet, our coast-to-coast segment for Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Give Brian Golly a call. It's Ballsy and Zinger and Arash on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage, right here on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage here on 620 CKRM. A little later on, we'll get to our clutch performance for Nick Service in Emerald Park. Or, yeah, Nick Service in Emerald Park, pardon me. Your local Massey Ferguson Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent Dealer. Lots of good candidates coming from last night. How about uh, Konechny of the Philadelphia Flyers with a hat trick? All right, uh, back with Arash Madani. Hey, I want to throw this curveball at you, <laughs> ironically. Trevor Bauer is released by the Dodgers after the whole, after the whole sexual assault uh, uh, situation he went. I think he was accused by three women, maybe four tops. He can be signed by any team for $720,000. I have a little inflection in my voice because... He can be signed for 720. Deshaun Watson had 24 allegedly, and he got a $230 million guaranteed contract. That's a real head scratcher. Uh, yeah, I mean, two totally different positions and two totally different sports. And I will tell you this just like Deshaun Watson, there will be at least one, if not more. Major League Baseball teams, as we speak, who are discussing, do we bring him in? How about the Blue Jays? I don't see it. I don't see as a publicly traded company, you know, the parent company, Rogers, um, 
Does the end justify the means there? I don't see it. I think Bauer's situation, and I don't see it happening um, anytime soon. I can see um, a scenario where if there are some injuries in spring training, that's when the phone rings. Is the NFL so big that we just ignore? Like, it, it just seems like, how does the NFL, like you're, and you raise a very good point. PR, public relations disaster. But, like, that's the Deshaun Watson is Bauer on steroids in the, if yeah. you talk about the situation. And it's like, oh, well, well, yeah, okay. Well, he's our quarterback now. Doesn't it feel like there are just no rules in pro football? Well, at least in NFL pro football. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's get to this three-down kind, if we can. Uh, is it a good or bad thing that Nathan Rourke goes to the NFL for the CFL? Is that a good or a bad thing? I think it's a great thing, to be quite honest with you. I, Nathan Rourke, I can't remember the last time a player set the league on fire the way Nathan Rourke did and drew the attention out of nowhere that Nathan Rourke did. And for him to then go to the best league in the world and get the opportunity, it kind of adds to the allure. It adds to, you know, the mythical deal, but also look at the, look at those he has followed. Warren Moon, Doug Flutie, Jeff Garcia, quarterbacks who have cut their teeth here and then gone down there. And I'm talking about those who succeeded. Of course, Henry Burris and some others have gone down and mm-hmm. uh, it didn't work out for them. But there will always be a landing spot for Rourke in the CFL. And so that's the beauty of all this is go down there and see what you can do, young man. And I wish teams would learn their lesson, Balsy. I really do. But organizations, scouts, front offices can't help themselves. Any team could have had Nathan Rourke a couple of years ago. And the New York Giants said, yeah, come on in as a receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, there is still this stigma that goes with um, Canadian quarterbacks and maybe even small college quarterbacks. And it's absurd. Have you talked to anybody? You're an insider, but I don't know if the NFL is exactly your beat. I know you cover the Super Bowl and things like that, but have you talked to anybody? Do you know more or less where you think Rourke could end up? He's had 12 workouts, just finished with Cleveland. Are you hearing anything? I haven't heard anything, but I look at rosters and I say to myself, all right, where makes sense for Nathan Rourke? And among the places that he's gone for for look-see, my beloved Minnesota Vikings. Mm -hmm. So I look at their quarterback room right now, and they brought Josh Rosen in a few weeks ago on the practice roster. Nate Nate Sudfeld, who's their number two. I mean, look, there's a a backup job there for the taking. And you want to be in a situation, if you're Nathan Rourke, where you know the GM and the head coach are going to be there for a while the ones that bring you in. You want to have some realistic guaranteed money and you want to have a shot. And all three of those can check boxes for Rourke if the money is right for him because Kwesi Adofu Mensa is the new GM in Minnesota. This is year one. Kevin O'Connell is head coach year one. They just won 13 games. They're hosting a playoff game. They're not going anywhere. And there's an opportunity to compete 
for the number two job, regardless of where you are, especially if you get that guaranteed money that you're looking for. So, for instance, Minnesota, to me, would make a ton of sense. I think the Giants could, too, behind Daniel Jones, because you're not going to break the bank with Daniel Jones. You got a new coach. That checks the box you just said, box you just said and he could have a legitimate shot as a backup in New York. And I know this is a small part of this, but the director of pro personnel for the New York Giants is a guy by the name of Chris Rossetti, who went to the University of Guelph, who worked for the Toronto Argonauts for a couple of years in their front office around 2012 when, um, when the Argos won it all with Ricky Ray around the 100th Grey Cup. He went down to Miami as a scout, worked his way up, and now he's, he's high up in the, in the Giants front office organization. He's, he'll stand on the table and vouch for Nathan Rourke. Don't you, don't you worry about that. And Rourke would love to uh, ram it up their butts because, like you said, they brought him in as a receiver. Here I'm back. Look, you screwed up. Different regime, so to speak, Different in terms regime. of the co- coach, but it would be nice to for him. Okay, a couple more quick topics to get to. Touchdown Atlantic. Riders going back there. It's going to be a hellacious trip because they're in Vancouver, but the tractor factor, they need to sell this thing. They call on the Riders, the preeminent franchise in terms of fan base. So they're going back there. They're going to St. Mary's. First game since 2005 there. Ran Andy's now said we basically he said we're not going to get a, a a permanent stadium, but maybe we can go temporary permanent. So to me, it feels like we're trying this. We're going to push it and see if we can finally get this done because it's about time. You know what? Or get off the pot. You know what I'm saying? Well, if the <laughs> I, I know what they're doing here, and they're trying to present something that isn't necessarily there. How about this, Ballsy? How about you put? I don't know. Edmonton against Hamilton, uh, Calgary versus Montreal at Husky Stadium in Halifax, and then see how many people show up. Mm-hmm. You need the riders. The riders are driving the bus on this, not as an organization, as, as the fan base, as the traveling fan base. And this is where this gets really, you have to be really cautious when you do this. Okay, the year, the first year, everyone's excited. The second year, you're like, okay, yeah, it's a novelty. We'll, we'll give it a try. You can't do it over and over again. It's like the London series or the Germany series, the European series with the NFL. You can't keep sending the same teams over there. They don't. They mix it up. They change it. But the worry deep down, the CFL has, they won't admit it publicly. Why would they? Is that if we don't have the riders there, then what happens? Then what becomes of this game? Then what does that show of what this one-off game in another market means? And will the shine come off? That's a big part of this whole conversation. We didn't get to all the topics I wanted to get to. Uh, Next week, we'll talk about streaming. The CFL better get on this fast. I mean, now the PGA's got a thing coming out full swing that looks pretty cool. And football in Quebec City, CFL style. Would it work? Would there even be an appetite? I know football's huge, but CFL football, we'll talk with Arash about that on Tuesday. Thanks for your time, buddy. Thanks, Paul Z. We'll be back with Bob Stoffer after the 4.30 news from the Oilers Radio Network here on 620 CKRM. It's your sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. Give them a call at 781 781- 2090. So Montreal is home to Nashville tonight in the NHL. The Habs will honor P.K. Subban during the game. Uh, the Flames 
rather, the Leafs are in Motown taking on the Red Wings tonight. Vancouver is in Tampa. Buffalo is home to Winnipeg. The Flames, there we go, taking on the Blues in St. Louis for the second time in three nights. And the Ottawa Senators take on uh, the Phoenix or sorry, the Arizona Coyotes in a mullet arena. They changed their name. It's Arizona Coyotes. Denver is scheduled to be the first team this month to have an in-person head coach interview with Sean Payton per source. The Broncos and Payton are scheduled to meet Tuesday morning in Los Angeles. And if a neutral site AFC championship game is played between Buffalo and Kansas City, it will be held in Atlanta, Georgia. Orlando Steinauer joining us here from the Hamilton Tiger Cats. What are these CFL winter meetings like for you? You know, I, I actually enjoy these meetings. For me personally, it's it's a chance where we're all actually on the same team. We're all trying to find ways to make the league better, to get more fan engagement, to talk about ways to improve the product and improve the game. And so I really enjoyed it. It's, uh, you know, it's wall-to-wall meetings. And, you know, it's not, uh, you know, there's lots of laughs and those type of things. Um, but for me personally, it's uh, something that I look forward to because it is a time when, whether it's the media, the, the GMs, the president, the head coaches, um, you know, the, the, the big the presidents of the organizations are all together and we're all after the same thing. So a lot of rule changes made last year going into, uh, well, in the offseason going into last season. And I really liked them for the most part. I thought they were pretty good. Uh, I, I don't anticipate we'll see a, a lot of overhaul. Will we? Or can you fill us in? I don't anticipate uh, ones of that magnitude. You know, we were really challenged as a rules committee to try and improve the game. And sometimes when you do that, you got to step out. And, and not go with the Band-Aid approach. And that doesn't mean we were reckless in our approach, but we wanted to, you know, put a step forward, you know, with the hash marks and moving the football up. And, you know, I think analytically and, and whatnot, um, you know, the scoring and those things were up. And ultimately, you got to talk to the fans and see if they felt like things were more entertaining. Uh, we certainly feel like we're, we're trending in the right direction. So uh, I don't anticipate those huge changes, but there will always be small tweaks. What did you learn about yourself as a head coach last year in what was, I think, an off-season by a Steinauer coach team? I mean, you made the playoffs, you had a nice late run, but it wasn't the Hamilton Tiger Cats we were used to from the two years previous. Yeah, I think just being the importance of controllable factors and, and being flexible. And then, you know, it, the other thing is just really understanding that you don't know when your injuries are going to come. You don't. You can't control all the things you think you can. Right? You can have a plan, and then you know that that's going to alter a little bit. And so for me, it's just put more emphasis on our core values and things that we believe in. And that simply is surrounding yourself with the best people. Because when you're, you're guaranteed, what I always talk about is you're guaranteed in life and football for sure is adversity. So we focus on adversity responses. And so when you're going through tough times, who are you surrounded with? Do you is there a fracture? Is there um, is it um, you know is, is is there a divide? And I think that that's where you talk about environment and culture, and you really find out what it's made of during those times. And I found that you know our foundation was strong enough to withstand it. Head coach of the Hamilton Tiger Cats, Orlando Steinauer, with the CFL report. Time to talk NHL. Now back to your favorite sports talk show, The Sports Cage, on 620 CKRM. 
Welcome back to the Sports Cage, and we're pleased to be joined by this guy on a regular basis, Bob Stoffer, color, uh, color commentator on the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network. Also, you see him on Sportsnet in the intermissions. Bob, thanks for taking my call. Before we get to Oilers stuff, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm an NHL fan, but I'm not going to say it's my bread and butter in terms of watching it every day. But, man, I was looking at the standings. What the hell is going on with the Florida Panthers? Yeah, I would say, Michael, that uh, Florida is, uh, I think the owners are thankful that Florida's maybe going through what they're going through because they, of course, had the President's Trophy last year. You know, sometimes when you when you make trades that involve guys that have been core pieces of your organization, even though Matthew Kachuk statistically has been a good fit there, he leads them in goals, but they moved, uh, you know, Huberto had a 115-point season last year and was a part of that core of that team. And then Mackenzie Weger on defense, and they soured on him um, as the season wore on last year. And I, you know, geez, a couple of years ago, the stats geeks were telling me this guy was a first-pairing NHL defenseman all day. So the combination of those two guys moving, plus they gave up a number one. So they gave up two number ones last year uh, at the deadline, a number one to get Sherratt, and then a number one to get Giroux, and then they include a number one in the package that was sent to Calgary, along with a forward prospect by the name of Cole Schwint, who got absolutely speed-bagged by the Bakersfield Condors, Raphael Lavoie, a couple days ago. Um, I, I, I wonder, if, like, you know, Florida, Bill Zito, former agent with uh, Acme World, uh, the GM there, I wonder if it was just too much alteration in one summer, or maybe they just turn around and get a goal in the second half. Hmm. But they are surprised that they're, you know, not competing for a top three spot in their division right now. How many wins do the Oilers need, do you think? I know you said, I think, 47 to 50-some wins you thought this year. But how many yeah. how many wins do the Oilers need left in their schedule to make the playoffs? I kind of got it at about 25. Would I be right there? You're bang on, because that gets you to 47. they got 39 games left. they got to win 25 of their 39 games. So they got to win two out of every three games, and right now some of your listeners would say, well, that's not going to happen, except it has the last three years in the second half of the year for Edmonton. For whatever reason, they've been a, and I have my own theories as to why Edmonton seems to struggle kind of November 15th-ish to January 15th, and then they start to get it going. Um, but uh, the bottom line here is they played 650 hockey from December 31st on in 2019-20 before we got shut down on the bubble. In the second half of the Canadian division year, that uh, North division year, uh, you know, they played, I think, at a 670 rate. And then last year, they played at a 690 rate. So I think they can play at a 667 rate, which would be 26 wins in the final 39 games and get them into that window where I, you know, I said they'd, they'd finish with 47 to 52 wins. Um, they dropped some games they shouldn't have dropped. You can never, you know, you should never lose a game when you're up 3 2 in the last minute you're on the power play they did that against st louis hmm. lost the point there uh bottom line here is they're going to get a vander Kane back maybe sooner than people think i do think you know short term they're going to play broberg a bunch you got a little bit bigger different looking defense right now they need jack Campbell to settle down he's looked okay in his last couple starts Stuart skinner's away for the birth of his ch- uh, of a child but you know i i still stand by what i said all along I think Edmonton's going to finish with 47 to 52 wins. I'll tell you what, the last night was perfect for Campbell. He didn't have to come up with miraculous saves, and they did what they were supposed to do. They're supposed to win that game, and pretty handily, at least on paper, and they did. So that was a nice win. I'll tell you what, uh, we talked about this guy the last time. That Costin, Clem Costin, has an elite shot. 
Well, he can shoot, but he's also not timid. And we have a different generation of players than maybe the guys that you and me might have grown up with, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I played against Todd Ewan. I played against Mark Tenori. Those guys were big and they were tough. And uh, we're talking in bantams. They were intimidating players. Uh, I guess we're supposed to use U15 now. Instead of <laughs> but, you know, the problem I had is I was the same size at 14 height-wise that I am. In fact, I'm shorter now. I'm 5'10 now. I'm 5'11 at 14. But uh, <laughs> it sucked when, when I was one of the biggest guys on our team and we're lining up against the Six foot two Todd Ewan or six foot four Martinardi. It's a different era, and I think the you know like Vincent Dayarnay is a, yeah. a Yanni Hockenpah ish prospect that the Oilers are hoping to develop. He's twenty six years of age. He's a shot suppressing right shot defenseman. He was pretty impressive last night. And Coffin's got seven goals since coming to the Oilers. Five in the last seven games, and I love that he took the fight against Brendan Lemieux the other night. Like Edmonton needs more of that. Uh, it can't all be elite top end talent. You got to have a little bit of push, and so he's been a terrific addition. Tyson Berry's been nice too. Like I wasn't a big Tyson. Like as a guy, he seems like a good dude. I wouldn't know, but I, I was saying, eh. but I've been. He's been good this year, in my opinion. He's had a good, yeah. He's. I mean, CC's dropped off in the pairing with Nurse. Nurse has had ups and downs. He had a terrible game against St. Louis and was great for about eight games in a row, and then a tough night against Colorado. Uh, Kulak hasn't got close to the level that he was at last year, but he was in a third pairing with Barry. And he's been forced to take on second pairing minutes with the retirement of Duncan Keith. Now, what's happened here over the last few games is Philip Broberg's finally started to settle in, and that was the plan. This guy was an eighth overall pick in 2019. Ken Holland told me a week after free agency was over last year, look, uh, Broberg's got a squad on the team and needs to play his way off the roster. And he got hurt three separate times in, in the rookie tournament in Penticton. We didn't even know that he was injured. Um, and then, of all things, he cut his hand when cooking down in Bakersfield lost two weeks. And then he suffered a lower body injury with the Oilers that kept him out for two weeks. So uh, the Oilers are building a bigger, rangier defense. It's the new type of how you defend a bit. You know, if you don't have to have a bunch of hammers back there, but you got to have guys that can make plays and you know, block uh, passing lanes and get front pucks and that sort of thing. As for Barry, he's maybe been the one defenseman that's been better this year. I mean, Bouchard lost two games has been much better, but Tyson's, uh, you know, he's he's having it. Now he benefits because he's on the world's best power play. Mm-hmm. Like, hey. we, we haven't seen a power play like this this good in 30 years. It's amazing. So, uh, you know, he's got 12 secondary assists on that power play. Yeah, he does. Hey, uh, so talk. let's talk defense because that is the theme. Uh, names being kicked around for a while. It's been Jacob Chikrin out of the Coyotes, Joel Edmondson from the Habs, and uh, Dumba, Al Dumba's uh, nephew uh, from the Pats broadcast, former Pat, Matthew Dumba. Uh, you know, if you're a betting man, would one of those names be on the back end, or, or is that just conjecture? Fine. Yeah, I mean, I think they have to consider and some people say, well, no, he's a shutdown guy. They might have a shutdown on the right side coming. So, different uh, concepts and play 22 minutes right away. Maybe not, you know, you look at the right side of the fence, CC plays 20 minutes a game, various plays 20 minutes a game, Blue Shards playing 18, and now they got to do eight. I don't know if Kevin makes a lot of sense for us. Like, it's just me. Um, I would suggest probably a lot of defense, but a lot more of a you know, a physical guy, you're looking at Edmonton, you're looking at a guy who's got a higher strength and the clock, needs to stay healthy with Jacob Chakra. Uh, and I believe that the asset acquired 
asked for quiet or two number ones and a number two. And I, I know some people think, well, you give them a previous number one. I'm not sure Arizona wants to go that road. I think that they're trying to build their program up for when they move into their new building. I think their preference would be, you know, like 2023, 2024, number one type situation. So uh, that's how I guess I'd respond to that question. All right, and I guess you got a game against the San Jose Sharks, which, like we said, those are the games you have to win, right? That's the and we've talked about this both on and off the air. That's the most maddening thing. You'd love to see this team be able to put five, six, seven games together. Yeah, well, I mean, they had three five-game winning streaks with Jay Woodcroft last year in the first twenty-five games of him coaching. They've had one five-game winning streak all season this year, and we're forty-four games in the season. So, you know, it's a must-win game, but in, in the NHL, on any given night, anybody can beat anybody. Like it, that's just the reality of the situation. Though Anaheim looks like they're really interested in Connor based on that performance last night. I mean, that was uh, you know, he's got a hundred two shots on goals in, in two games against Anaheim. But as all your listeners know, hockey can be a very unfair sport because there's a thing called the goalie. And so the others probably should have won the first game, but at home between mm-hmm. the two teams when they had 49 shots. And last night, um, I thought Gibson and Anthony Stillers actually played well. Like, Edmonton could have scored eight or nine goals. San Jose will be a tough challenge to get Vegas the next night, but they got to get going. And uh, Evander Kane's chomping at the bit to get back. I think he plays before uh, their all-starters last team game that made it off their off time, which is January 28th. You're breaking up, but I want to see if I can squeeze one more in here because it's going to tie into the CFL, okay? We're talking about the Edmonton Elks and how they're not on the map like the Eskimos are, and Victor Quee's trying to do what he can to get the business going, and usually Chris Jones in his uh, template. It's the second year where they take off. I remember back in the day when probably a young Bob Stoffer used to go to the games, Wayne Gretzky was, uh, you know, he hung around the Edmonton Eskimos in terms of going to games here or there. I remember seeing him in the stands. You know, uh, is there a relationship at all between the Oilers and the Elks where we could use some Connor McDavid love as it relates to the Edmonton uh, Elks football team? Not that I know of. It's a different time. So, uh, you know, I know that the last time I saw a bunch of the Oilers players uh, out on the field with the Elks is when they acquired Joffrey Lupul and the Chris Bronner trade back in 06. Mm-hmm. And at that time, they were the Eskimos. So it's, I, 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 you know, I'm sure they've been in there. I mean, I sneak into three games a year. Trent Brown's one of the uh, Elks alum. Uh, he was an all-star safety. He runs the biggest law firm in Edmonton. He's a buddy of mine from the U of A. So I tend to go in a couple games a year and hang out with him. But it is... They, they've kind of lost a bit of their identity with, with, with their own alumni, let alone the Oiler alumni. Mm, interesting. Bob, thanks for your time. Always enjoy our chats. Uh, have yourself a good call tomorrow, okay? Thanks, Michael. Thanks for the call. Take, take care. Take care. It could be a lot worse than spending time in California, Zinger and I know. Coming back, we got some things we call Thursday Thoughts, uh, kicking some uh, sports and lifestyle things around here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. This would be the best arena song, wouldn't it? Wouldn't you think? That That or Welcome to the Jungle. The other night I watched the YouTube video of Metallica in Russia in the early 90s yeah. when there's like millions of people. Mm. I ran through my wall. How about uh, how about uh, the Virginia? Is it Virginia? They come out to this? 
Who comes out to this? Oh, who is it? And uh, they, they all shake. Uh, yeah, yeah. They all shake. Um... Put, Google Metallica college football. Uh, do that because uh, there's a there's a video. They have like ABC Saturday Night Football, and it was Notre Dame coming out. I think it's Virginia. If I'm not I think mistaken. it's Virginia or, Tech. Or Virginia Tech. Virginia That's what it, Tech. Virginia Tech. Then the band starts playing. Yeah, yeah it's it's Tech. so it's so um, it's so raucous there that it it actually uh, comes across as almost like an earthquake. <laughs> Oh my like goodness. seismic, you know, like a three registers a three point eight on the Richter scale or something like oh. that. Crazy. Anyway, yeah, they take their college football seriously down there. That, the Hokies. That, that forever will be a highlight of my life. Going to Memorial Stadium in Nebraska to watch the Cornhuskers and UND. That will be. We're gonna get you down to Boise State. This year. I don't think so, buddy. Not unless Paul Hill owns me his jet because the Riders play here. I believe the night before. Uh, just let me do some calculations. Okay, good. Here. <laughs> my kid, my kid's playing on the blue turf at Boise State. Oh, that'll be cool. Uh, NHL tonight, Calgary back at St. Louis, Winnipeg at Buffalo, Toronto at Detroit, Ottawa at Arizona. Tomorrow, live here, Chandler Stevens, uh, Stevenson of the Vegas Golden Knights will join us after five. We'll talk some senior hockey tomorrow on the show, Zinger. Mm. Uh, also, we're going to uh, hear from Neil McAvoy of the BC Lions. Luke Molitor will join us. We'll be joined by uh, Dante DeCarry. We're coming to you live from the Brand Center. We also got our first round of Chase the Ace, the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation Lottery, which is sponsored, I believe, once again by Viterra. Trevor Bauer has been... Um, Released by the L.A. Dodgers after his sexual assault scandal in the uh, offseason there. He hasn't pitched since 2021, actually. But uh, he'll be free to sign with any team for $720,000. Lamar Jackson sent out a tweet just recently that I read. Thank you, everyone, for your support uh, support and concerns regarding my injuries. I want to give you an all an update that I'm in the recovery process. I suffered a PCL grade 2 sprain on the borderline of a strain 3. There is still inflammation surrounding my knee and my knee remains unstable I'm in good spirits and I continue with treatments on the road to recovery I wish you could be out there with my guys more than anything but I can't give 100% of myself to my guys he gambled on himself before the season too right like he turned down a contract offer so he's a I mean, he's obviously not 100%, but he's obviously making a business decision, too. It's what you call a business decision in the world of football. Sorry, I'm just, I'm, I'm looking up the, yeah. I'm looking up the details on how I can get you to Boise, Idaho. It's right not going to I'm kind of busy. It's not going to happen. Raptors are home to Charlotte. Uh, Notre Dame at Estevan. Battleford's at, um, sorry, Notre Dame at Estevan, I believe is what it is. Flynn Flon at Humboldt. And I got, oh, I don't know who the Battlefords are playing tonight. I have them down twice. Notre Dame can't be playing the Battlefords twice. Hold on here. SJH. Yeah, let's hold on here, Ballsy. Edmonton at Saskatchewan. Okay, Friday, September 15th. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, North Dakota is at Boise State on September 16th. Okay, so yeah. let's do this calculation here. The Ryder game is in Regina, which is a good thing for you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're talking about a game that starts at... 7.30, Regina time. will be over at 10.30. You'll be off the air no later than 11.30 p.m. You leave Mosaic Stadium by midnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12... One, two, three. Miss it. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's Un- actually logistically not possible undo- this year. It's undoable. But, undoable. That's- but don't you feel better about it? Now unless, that- unless, unless Mr. Paul Hill said, Ballsy, here's what's going to happen. Yeah. 
I will, I'll have the jet loaded up for you. You just walk, go to the tarmac, we'll fly into Boise. That ain't going to happen either. So yeah. I'll just watch it on my TV. Uh, I tried, man. I know. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Flynn Flon at Humboldt, Battleford's at Notre Dame. See, I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. Oh, I am wrong. <laughs> I had, I looked at Friday. They have a scroll at the top of their website. It's uh, Flynn Flon at Humboldt, Battleford's at Notre Dame, and then Notre Dame goes to Estevan tomorrow. I had Notre Dame playing two games tonight, so they're not. Pats are in, uh, in the Brand Center tomorrow to take on the Saskatoon Blades. We will be live on location there. Portland get... Winterhawks are in town Saturday, baby. Awesome. Hey, here's a hack for remembering somebody's name. Some I'm a wo- hack. Some woman on TikTok says there's a trick she uses anytime she can't remember someone's name, and that's a real pet peeve of mine. I yeah. hate that, because so many people know you, and you don't know them. Uh, instead of admitting that she can't remember, she throws out a fake factoid like this, quote, do you know it's really hard to say your own name three times really fast? So then the person will go, Sean Kleisinger, Sean Kleisinger, Sean Kleisinger. And you're like, oh, it's Sean oh. Kleisinger. But how do you how do you slip that into the conversation casually without making yourself look uh, like a loony? The, that's the key, and you got to remember. Well, let's, let's role play here. Yeah. Hey, hey what, you know, what's up, man? Yeah. Uh, well, hey, hey. Did you know that it's yes. hard to say your name three times you fast? You could. You could. You could. You could. You know what? You could snicker. You go. Yeah. Well, I just remember what. Well, Bob told me back there that it's hard to say your name three times really fast. You want to try it? You're like, oh uh, yeah. Okay. Sean Kleisiger. Sean Kleisiger. Sean. Kleisiger. Hey, That's Sean right. Kleisiger. You, you can approach the conversation, yeah. but you know, kind of grinning, smiling a bit. Sorry, I'm still laughing about what the conversation. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, listening to cassettes, <laughs> reading a newspaper, and paying by a check. Those are all activities that should be extinct, that almost all of them are. But sadly, some archaic daily activities and habits still play a big part in our lives. Like anything from today's list, from the sports cage of top activities that should be retroactivities by now, but aren't. Okay, these should be gone, but aren't. Flossing. Imagine, like, sawing a string between your teeth. It feels very 1723-ish, not 2023. Don't you agree? Are you a flosser? No. Every time, I'm not even a brush. Oh, come on. <laughs> Just Every time I go to a dentist, I always say to the hygienist, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll floss. And I do, but my teeth are so tight after two days I quit. Um, how about this? I used to hate going to the dentist because oh, I, I used to get, like, yeah, anyways. How about this on. one? Drop calls. Like, in this day and age, we should be able to walk from our front yard to the backyard without drop calls. Or call a guy in California without... <laughs> Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, it happens all the time. Another thing that uh, should be retro but isn't, uh, scrubbing, I hate this, scrubbing the barbecue drill, oh. uh, grill. We should just be able, when we're done, to shut the grill, press a button, it cleans it like a dishwasher inside. When you come back, it's already good to go. Don't be using the wire ones either because the wire scrubbers, yeah. they, it leaves residue and then it's on as your soon hamburger. as you know it, you'll be eating it in your meat. Yes. Get the wood ones, baby. Yeah. The wood ones. Keep the hair out of my meat. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And, and lastly, <laughs> I hate this one. Like, serious, we got technology to tell us when an asteroid's going to hit us. Seven million years from now, okay? But we can't, we can't decipher what a woof means from a dog. Wouldn't you like to know what a dog's telling you? Woof. Yeah. Or every time, or, or, or when I leave the house, I put a, my dog's older, I put a little doggy diaper on Ian and I leave. And every time I do it, he's, he opens his mouth like really wide to show me his teeth like a big yawn Mm -hmm. every time without fail. I'd love to know what that is. 
But the thing is, like, there's millions of words out there, and we're trying to decipher what one word means in that instant. I don't know if that's... Uh, my head... It, it is news time. My head hurts now. God! <laughs> Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. This is the Craig Dickinson Show, our weekly chat with the writer's bench boss about the latest news from the locker room. It's the only place where Dickie takes questions from Rider Nation. And we got some of those questions. The uh, show is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com. Craig Dickinson joins us, not from the locker room, but from, well, he was in the boardroom for three days of meetings. How did the CFL meetings go? Wasn't uh, probably not as exciting as the last year when we had, like, a rule changes galore. <laughs> yeah, well, it's good to talk with you, Michael. It seems like it's been a while. Um, yeah, this year's league meetings were much different. There wasn't uh, the mandate, so to speak, to somehow change our game and make it more exciting. I think the the general consensus among all the people that were speaking and even the league execs was we had a very good year at a league level. The game was exciting. I think they pointed out that 65% of the games were decided in the last three minutes. Scoring was up to levels we haven't seen in a long time. We were a higher-scoring league than the NFL, more excitement, all sorts of good stuff. So it's been a real feel-good sort of uh, week up here. Everybody pat themselves on the back a little bit and uh, looking forward to next year and more of the same. Coach, but that doesn't line up with the narrative that our quarterbacking's never been worse. Yeah, and I think the narrative's not accurate all the way, (laughs) believe it or not. And even though that's kind of uh, something we always talk about is – coaches and administrators is how do we improve quarterback play. The reality was our quarterback play this year, uh, according to the analytics they showed us, was better than it's been in a long time and uh, better than almost historically good in terms of quarterback um, efficiency rating. So, you know, maybe we're just, you know, beating down a, a, a dead horse, so to speak, and the, and the quarterback play maybe wasn't as bad as we'd like to think it was. Might sound like a dumb question, Coach, but is it good or bad for the CFL that Nathan Rourke looks like he could be going south of the border? You've been in both leagues. Yeah, I think it's good. I think any time one of your guys gets a chance down there and hopefully does well, it's good for the league. Okay, fair enough. Pam wants to know, Coach, now first off, I'm going to ask this question. Anthony Vitelli comes over from the Edmonton Elks. What does he bring to the offensive line coaching area? Yeah, he's he's a good, solid coach that we've known for a long time. He uh, has coached a lot in the U.S. college ranks. We had him as a guest coach a couple of years ago, and we had him back-to-back years, which we don't do very often, so it tells you we really liked him. And then last year he's with Edmonton. So he's a, he's a, he's a former college football player, college wrestler. He brings a lot of toughness and grit to that position. And uh, and I think he's, he's he's done a lot of a lot of good things as a coach, been an offensive play caller in his day, coordinated an offense, and, and uh, just loves coaching the big guys. So I'm excited to see what he can do with that old line. Coach uh, Craig Dickinson joining us here. So Pam wants to know, you had Ben Olson, the D-line coach, who did a great job for you guys for a couple of years. He leaves to go to Incarnate Word, the Cardinals down there in the FCS. I think they got to the semifinals this year, if I'm not mistaken. So he goes there. Uh, Pam wants to know, how do you plan to replace him, and when do you plan to announce that? Yeah, that's a tough one. We hated losing him, Pam. 
Uh, that's part of what I'm doing this week is we're calling people. I've got three or four really interesting candidates for the job, and uh, and and they want it too. So that's a good thing. I mean, I think anytime you lose a coach, it's it's a, it's a little bit of a gut punch, especially if you didn't want to lose him. And uh, but once you kind of regroup and you put the word out that there's an opportunity in Saskatchewan, you find out a lot of there's a lot of good coaches out there, and Saskatchewan's still fairly. Fairly, fairly well thought of in terms of a great place to play, a great place to live, and a great place to coach. So we've got three or four really good candidates, and I think we'll announce that. We haven't decided who, they, who we're going to offer the job to yet, but we hope to get that filled by the end of the month. And Ed wants to know, you got Naaman Roosevelt now. When, when, when you were on the show last time, Coach, uh, you had said you're not quite sure where you're going to use him, a little bit here, a little bit there. So Ed wants to know, who's the receiver's coach? We don't have a receivers coach yet, but we do have Naaman Roosevelt on staff, and as we know, excellent receiver and, and has brings a great deal of knowledge to that spot. So we feel like we got the ability to to get the receivers coached up and coached up very well this year. Ideally, I'd like to have a receivers coach in place at the end of January as well, and I'd like him and uh, Naaman to work together to coach that group. I feel like the receivers deserve two sets of eyes. They're a big group with a lot of different personalities, and so I'd like to try to use Naaman to help out in that group, as well as help out Kelly Jeffrey in other capacities as well. Dave wants to know, it's a two-part question. Coach, do you prefer coaching in the NFL or CFL? And really, when it comes down to it, what's the biggest difference besides the money? Yeah, I prefer the CFL all the way, Dave. So um, the biggest difference is, honestly, is in the NFL, there's so many coaches and you have so much time with them that there, in, in my opinion, there's a lot of there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, and it's hard to actually put your stamp on a team. I feel like in the CFL, with you know ten coaches, eleven at the most, every guy's got a group that they're working with that's usually exclusively theirs, and you really get a chance to put your stamp. There's no assistant receivers coach. There's no assistant all line coach. Um, it's usually one one coach in charge of each. Sometimes one coach is in charge of a couple of things. So that's the biggest difference is the, the workload, I believe, in the NFL is a lot, but you have 25 guys splitting it up. In the CFL, same workload, 10 coaches. So a lot more, a lot more ownership and a lot more accountability for your groups. I believe in the CFL. Jeff says, uh, I really enjoyed the interview with Dave Dickinson earlier uh, this week on the Sports Cage. So maybe ask Coach Craig, besides his brother, who's a really good friend of his in the league in terms of coaches? Okay, besides my brother. Well, I feel like uh, I know all of them pretty well and, and enjoy being around all of them. Uh, Bobby Dice is a good friend of mine. known Bob for a long time. Uh, Kahari Jones is a guy I've known for a long time. Uh, Mike Benavides, a guy that's coached for a long time. Those are good friends. And Rick Campbell, I would consider a good friend as well. So I, I really feel like I've got a good rapport with all of them. And, and this is my, about my 15th or 16th year in the CFL, so it's getting to the point where I, I know most everybody fairly well, and I enjoy, I really enjoy the camaraderie within the CFL ranks. So I, I really enjoy being here and being around all of them. Craig Dickinson Show brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. We have him for a few more minutes. A couple more texts. Coach, from Mark, what's the one underappreciated position or skill in football? That's an interesting question. I don't know if I've ever thought yeah, of that. Is. I would say, I'll give Mark this one. How about Holder on PAT field goal? There's a lot of people that um, 
By the way, I'll give you an interesting stat, Ballsy. Mm-hmm. Kicker percentage this year was at an all-time high. 85% was the average. Wow. And if you look back 10 years ago, the leaders in the league were not even 85%. So that's the average percentage of kickers in our league last year, 85.1, I think it was. And a lot of that has to do with the snappers and the holders, believe it or not. Because when I first came into the league, oftentimes you just put the backup quarterback there back there to hold, and sometimes he was good, sometimes he wasn't. And nowadays you've got punters and uh, long snappers and kickers, and they all work together all the time. And I just think the skill set of the holders now is so much better than it used to be that it gives the kickers that much more confidence, and I think that's why you're seeing such – such high numbers of accuracy. Coach, I'm going to ask this. You answered how you want. I'm just reading what I've read this week in the comments made by you, but a little bit by your GM, Jeremy O'Day. I haven't been able to track him down to come on, so I'm just going to ask okay. you. Okay, so, you know, you're, you, you've you you've stated or or Jeremy stated, hey, we this isn't like a total breakup, but we've uh, said to Cody, we're going to look around at other options at quarterback, basically. That's not word for word. Does that not kind of signal, though, that most likely Cody's era is done here? Like, that's kind of what it feels like to me, or am I way off base with that? No, I mean, the reality is, yeah. I mean, when you tell someone we're going to keep our options open, um, that means that they're looking at other people possibly to, to, to take their job. And that's the truth, and Cody knows that. So we don't uh, we don't want to tell him for sure that that he's not in our plans because a lot can happen between now and free agency. But we want to be upfront and honest with him and say we're not satisfied with the the play we had a quarterback last year, and there's a lot of reasons for it, as we all know. Mm-hmm. But we're going to look at we're going to look at some of the guys that are out there, and if we like him, we're going to go after him. And if we feel like Cody's our best option, we'll we'll cross that bridge at that time. But I think that's the be honest and, and fair way to, to state it and just be upfront about it. Good. And I asked Brett Jones on the show about two hours ago if he would be interested in playing football again. And Brett Jones, who is not quite 32, he of two CFL years like you know and seven in the NFL said, I am trying to get into med school at the U of S. If I don't get in, I'm very interested in playing football again, and I'd be more than happy to listen to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. That's basically what he said. It wouldn't be the only team, but uh, maybe you know that, maybe you don't. But obviously, that's a guy that could instantaneously change the direction of the O-line. Yeah, we we knew that, and Jeremy's been in touch with Brett. Um, I think Brett, like, I think he was being completely honest. I think he wants to get into med school. And I think if he does, that's the direction he goes. And, and if he doesn't, I think, I think like you said, he's going to start looking at other things to do um, in the meantime. So we're, we're very interested in Brett. He knows that. Yeah, really, the ball is in his court. If he wants to play for the Rough Riders, he knows he's going to have an opportunity. If he doesn't, uh, that's his choice. But we're certainly hoping we get a chance to visit with him. It's interesting, though. Lastly, you guys are looking for a quarterback, so you kind of got to pool a little bit of money there and have an idea what you're going to pay a guy. And then you, maybe you got to hold on to some money for, hey, if Brett Jones doesn't make, uh, you know, hypothetically speaking, doesn't make med school, we got to have some money there, too, to get a guy like that yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. You That's a, that's going to be a guy, you know, that's this well thought of, you know, he played for two years in Calgary. So those guys know him over there and he knows them. Uh, we know Brett and he knows us. So he knows there'll be a market for his services. If he wants to come back, um, he knows we're interested in him. 
Coach, thanks for your time. I always appreciate it. We'll catch up yep. with you soon. Good talking to you, Bobby. Take we'll care. Yeah, take care. That's Coach Craig Dickinson. We'll slide in our betting expert, Andy McNamara, next here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Just trying to get hold of our betting expert, Andy McNamara from UFF Sports. It was great having Coach Craig Dickinson on the show. You know? So they're basically, you never say never, but they're basically moving on from Cody Fajardo. So we've got that final answer. And then Brett Jones, we talked about that. Riders are interested. Uh, and you know that they'd be hot on his heels if he does want to come back and play football if he doesn't get into med school. Almost like we're going to save him. A, we'll save a spot or have him in our plans until otherwise notified. So stay tuned. If you missed the Brett Jones interview, you can get it uh, earlier on the show. Or earlier, it was on the show. You can get it in podcast form. Sean Kleisiger still working the phones to try to get a hold of our friend Andy McNamara. Still to come tonight, we've got um, Glenn Suter for two segments here. From TSN, the lead football analyst. And, uh, yeah, Zinger's just uh, lining up. We had a great weekend of NFL wildcard action, an expanded wildcard weekend. Let's get right to it, Andy McNamara, UFF Sports. Uh, let's start. Uh, listen, anybody playing the Buffalo Bills is in trouble. If I was the Bills, I would walk DeMar Hamlin out of the tunnel by himself, and Miami might as well get on the bus and go home. It is over for the Dolphins policy. It's done. You know what? I, it's funny. We're on the same mind, mindset because I was thinking the same thing, and then I thought this. You're winning this ball game against Skylar Thompson. Save the DeMar Hamlin motivational win one for the Gipper, get up out of the chair type of thing for a tougher matchup. Save it for Kansas City. Mm-hmm. They can beat the Dolphins. Yeah. Who cares? Absolutely. You don't need it for that. Save it. Yeah. Save the super motivation for when you need it. This, boy, the line's 13, man. And I'll tell you this, uh, if they put it at 20, I might take it. <laughs> okay. Like, it's over. Saturday night, Saturday night. my uh, L.A., I still call them San Diego Chargers, taking on the Jacksonville Jags. The Chargers have the best social media team. They put a big post out about how everybody, little snippets, how everybody was calling them overrated and everything like that. So it's awesome. Uh, I, I always pick the team with the better quarterback. Herbert's better than Lawrence. I think the Chargers... I've been going back and forth, but I'm going to stay. I think the Chargers win by a touchdown, although Trevor Lawrence has never lost on a Saturday in high school, college, or NFL. Now, that's interesting. And Chargers, two-and-a-half-point road favorite, so it, it's close. And what a fun match. You know what? At least Trevor Lawrence is playing better because this is – I think if you give this a year and Trevor Lawrence to get even better, like this could be one of those mm-hmm. like superstar just battles back and forth. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, this is going to be super close. I think it's a case where the Jags, if they lose, can still feel good. They won five in a row. They got into the playoffs. I think for them, just making it is a wild success. Whereas for the Chargers, they need to prove something. This is, like you said, they're being talked over. Everyone loves the Jags. Everybody loves the Nobody is thinking about the Chargers. So I'm with you. I think it's a good play. I'll say this, too. I got a, a, a double prop play for Austin Eckler that I like. I think over the four-and-a-half receptions, and under the 51-and-a-half rushing yards for Eckler because he's only rushed more than 51 yards six times all year, less than that in the past three, which included a loss to Jacksonville. And in that loss to the Jags, Eckler got eight catches. 
So yeah. I think when you look at they'll want to use him more in that pass catching role, especially with Mike Williams and that funky back. So that's just a, you know if people want to dabble a little bit on the prop play side, I think uh, you know you go to the DraftKings sportsbook and do that. Yeah, for sure. I like that. I love Eckler too, Mister Guitar Man. After he scores a touchdown, uh, Minnesota can win by ten or they can lose by ten. Which Minnesota team are we going to get? I think we'll get the win by ten because this isn't a prime time game. Yeah, I think you're right. And here's the interesting part. Look at this. 11. Okay, Balzi? Vikings 13-4. 11 of their 13 victories came by one score. 11. This 13-4 and four could have been flipped without trying too hard. Mm-hmm. It's probably the fakest 13-4 and four I've seen. <laughs> however, however, the Giants are – the coach of the year has to come down between Brian Dable and Doug Peterson. It's insane, outrageous that you have the Giants in the playoffs, never mind above 500. I think the Vikings do win. For the for the, the Giants, it's all about that ball control. Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones have to control the ball, those design runs, and eat up as much clock as possible. Because the Vikings got a guy named Justin Jefferson who you blink and he's got 15 catches for 200. I don't think it's close. Yeah, so over or under 90 yards for Saquon Barkley. Like, do you think he's going to have a decent... Last time he played them, they lost 27-24. He got 92 yards rushing. I think they're going to have to try. Um, if he does, then this game is going to be close. And it's going to be uh, right where the Vikings need it to be. Mm. I think it's going to be over because you look at the Giants' weapons. Like, Really, what other kind of choice do you have but to try to work in Saquon Barkley as much as possible? Thing is, though, the Vikings know that. Right, and they played them, so uh, it's it's going to be a case where it's like, where does this come from? That three point mark sounds about right because remember, it was one of those eleven of thirteen one score victories came Christmas Eve, and it took a sixty one yard field goal for the Vikings to win. All right, I don't think we have to spend much time on the Bengals Ravens. Jackson's not playing. If Huntley plays, he's Huntley. Give me a break. Uh, the only way the Bengals lose is if Burrow gets hurt. Yes. Absolutely. Nine and a half points. My only thinking is this. That defense on Baltimore, really good. Could it be close? And I tried to talk myself in. I'm like, well, maybe there's some value in taking the Ravens to cover, not win. And I thought, hell no. I'm tired of those rat birds, those purple. <laughs> no. I, it's Bengals at Joey B, and he's going to be smoking a stogie with some sunglasses after the Ravens cry and complain that their, their uh, pencil-legged quarterback, Lamar Jackson, Still can't stay healthy. Says, and your bum back of Tyler Huntley also stinks. And you got a third string guy who just lost to the Bengals. Cleveland Browns fan here, folks. That's why. That's he doesn't right. like he doesn't like the That's new right. Cleveland Browns. He doesn't Donald like the old Brown. Cleveland Browns. Yeah, he's a Cleveland Browns guy. <laughs> okay, so two more games to get to, and uh, we do want to touch on it. It's the infamous Brock Purdy against Geno Smith. I think Geno and his luck hits midnight here. Oh yeah. Brock Purdy. What the heck? Brock Purdy. Like, this is, the, again, the coaching sensation that is Kyle Shanahan. It says you can put just about anybody in that spot. You're telling put Brock Purdy on any other team in the league. Any other team, you're telling me he looks as good as he is? Yeah. I don't think so. Uh, and you know what? Prop play, Brock Purdy over one and a half passing touchdowns in this game pays out minus 105. Purdy's thrown for two or more touchdowns in all six of his starts. I think that's some free money there. And check out this little fun tidbit, because old Andy did his homework today, Balzi. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I need actually some work. I want to get it in. So, per ESPN stats and info, 
49ers led the NFL in yak yards after catch for the sixth straight year. McCaffrey, 41.4 yards. Debo, 37.9. And guess who's dead? Who's almost dead last? Second last in yak allowed per catch. The Seattle Seahawks. Niners take it by nine and a half for sure. That's why I have this guy in the show. And lastly, we got about uh, 45 seconds. Is this Tom Brady's last game as a Buccaneer? No way, man. I got. I, I can't back it by stats. I can't back it by numbers. Tom Brady beats the Cowboys. Mike McCarthy gets fired. Jerry Jones goes ballistic, and we have beautiful chaos. Buccaneers and Tom Brady continue at that growth eight and nine, winning that division. It's disgusting to get a home game, but the Cowboys buckle. I'm taking the Bucks, and it pays out one twenty. Win. Let's I, go. I love it. And here these numbers back you up. Brady is seven and zero versus the Dallas Cowboys. He is the beat him week, one. week one. Yes, yes, crazy. Okay, where can they find your stuff quickly? Oh, brother, I got a great show tomorrow morning. Sick podcast with Andy McNamara on Twitter at AndyMCD1. I interview wrestling legend and Browns fan Jerry the King Lawler. The King joins me. Jerry the King Lawler tomorrow. It's on YouTube, the Sick Podcast with Andy McNamara. Instagram, too, at AndyMC Sports. Check it out tomorrow at 8 a.m. or after. I can't wait to hear that and watch that. Thanks for your time, Andy. Take care, brother. All right, bud. Talk to you. That'll do it. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage in a moment on 620 CKRM. The Montreal Canadiens are home to Nashville tonight. The Habs will honor P.K. Subban during the game. The Leafs are in Motown to take on the Red Wings. Vancouver is in Tampa. Buffalo is home to Winnipeg. The Flames taking on the Blues in St. Louis for the second time in three nights. And the Ottawa Senators are in Phoenix to take on the Arizona Coyotes at Mullet Arena. Busy B will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialist. This is Pat Chat for our friends at the Canadian Brew House with locations in Moose Jaw and Regina. The Regina Pats getting set to take on the Saskatoon Blades tomorrow night at the Brand Center. And the voice of the Blades, Les Lazaric, talks about Connor Bedard and if he would have traded the Phenom. If I'm a hockey guy, I would. But I'm not a hockey. But this decision, I still think, is not a hockey decision. Uh, I think it is a management and ownership decision, and good on the ownership for doing this because they realize that there's money to be made by having Connor Bedard stay. See, first round draft picks and especially first overall picks get significant money come to the team if you're a member of that team when the NHL draft happens. So keep that in mind, just because. Bedard might have gotten you a boatload of picks and prospects and players. Who knows what the package could have been. It's still something to be said for having him and the prestige of having been the or Connor Bedard or the Regina Pats picked first overall in the upcoming NHL draft. You guys made a couple of deals. Uh, the big one, Chason, coming over. Tell us about Jake Chason, what you expect from him, and are you happy with what the Blades did at the trade deadline? Well, I, I think the Blades had to do something. They've got four regular forwards out of their top nine forwards on the sidelines injured right now. So they've been kind of going along on a little bit of uh, 
tape and uh, and, and and some uh, liniment oil trying to <laughs> trying to keep the trying to keep the uh, lineup going. Uh, kudos to the young kids who have stepped in uh, the old next man up routine. Uh, they've done pretty well for themselves, but you could still use, especially against these better teams, some older guys. And a guy like Jake Chase on will qualify as that a nineteen year old forward, a draft pick of the Edmonton Oilers a couple of years ago. Uh, had an injury last year that kept him out of Brandon's lineup for all but 20 games last season. Uh, um, he's back. He's played 28 games this year. Uh, sorry, he's played 37 games this year. He's got 28 points. So he's a, he's a capable offensive player, uh, and I think that's just something that will add to the Blades' top six. And the only thing they were able to do, I think they'd like to have done a couple of more things, added another four, because a couple of the fours they've got injured balls here are going to be out for quite a while. Jaden Weens, I don't know when he's going to come back. Maybe uh, sometime in March. Uh, he had surgery here recently on a lower body injury. And Tyler Parr, I don't know if he's going to come back at all this year. He's only a 17-year-old, but he was playing in their top nine and a big part of their checking line. Uh, he has a shoulder issue that's probably going to require surgery. So uh, those two guys aren't going to be back for quite a while. It would have been nice maybe to get a second forward, but hey, take what you can get. And well, we get the Pats and Blades at the Brandt Center tomorrow night, 7 o'clock puck drop. The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. William Nylander shooting, and that off the stick of Eckholz. Tavares trying to center it. John Tavares gets it to Marner. Marner to Tavares. Punting in front. Nylander. Marner scores! Uh, yes, the voice of Chris Cuthbert. Mitch Marner scored with 115 remaining in the third period to lift the Toronto Maple Leafs to a 2-1 to win against the Nashville Predators at Scotiabank Arena on Wednesday night. Marner extended his home point streak to 18 games, tying Daryl Sittler for the longest in Maple Leafs history. Mitch Marner, your sports cage clutch performer for Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second or long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter, he runs it out of Time for press coverage as former writer greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Rider Nation. All right, this is press coverage brought to you by our friends at Quality Tire with nine locations in Saskatchewan to serve you. Check them out at qualitytire.ca. Thanks to them for getting on board and staying on board with the number one sports show in the province. That's the Sports Cage because we got guests like this, the Troy Aikman, Tony Romo of the CFL, Glenn Suter Hall of Fame broadcaster uh, suits. I had Brett Jones, the local product, On the airwaves before you came on here. And I'll tell you what, that kid's got his head screwed on straight. Uh, Giving back to the community, volunteering, coaching with the Rams, and he loved that. He's trying to get into med school at the U of S. That's always something he wanted to do. Now, when I talked to him back in the day, he said he bled red and white. But listening to that interview, it seems to me he would be, well, he did say it. He'd be open to playing for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Boy, if... If they lose out to med school, okay. If not, wow, that would be a huge coup for the riders. 
Well, yeah. I mean, he's still got so much football left in him. I mean, you you think about Winnipeg, who just signed a 37-year-old tackle, and everyone, including me, thinks that's a good deal for Winnipeg, that they have a great all-star player in Stanley Bryant. And you know you you look at you, you know you look at age and how much time does the guy have left? Does he have an All Star season or two in him? And I would say with Brett, absolutely. I mean, you know, without question, the the uh, O line upgrade would happen automatically. You can move Dan Clark as well. I, I you know I think either one of those guys could play guard and be an All Star. So. Boy, that you know, because that you you got to look at it too. I think Michael and we both have that the the Riders have got to look at rebuilding the O line, and that doesn't mean getting rid of the guys that played last year. It means creating more competition for everyone, so that they get a higher level across the board from that O line. Whomever's playing quarterback will benefit from that. It's a very interesting dynamic here because you got Bo by Mitchell that says he's going to free agency, and people will be like, oh, quit talking about Bo. I'm not going to because this is the biggest story to hit the CFL player transaction-wise for a number of years. This is great for the CFL to talk about this, but it's very interesting because Hamilton's trying to negotiate with him, and we had Orlando Steinauer on the – Orlando Steinauer, pardon me. I see, right. see, 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 Coach O, I screwed that up only a day late. I didn't screw it up when he was on the earth. Me, I did it with Suter. So there you go. So Orlando Steinauer was on the show and he said, we're continuing our talks with him. Nothing done yet, but Bo is going to free agency. Okay. So hey, yep. if, if a Brett Jones does come here, that instantaneously changes what the riders look like up front big time. That's like a huge free agent acquisition. Okay. If it does happen. All right. But, Hamilton has got to figure like Hamilton and Saskatchewan are kind of in the same boat in a way they mirror each other because Hamilton's got to hold on to this much money and then go to the rest of their free agents or other free agents but they got to kind of set some money aside and the Riders got to set some money aside for whoever their quarterback will be so it's challenging for both the Hamilton brass and the Riders brass as we head into free agency. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. But, you know, again, I I think the money for, you know, whether you're talking about a starting quarterback like Bo, I mean, there's not many in the Bo category, by the way. I mean, I guess Trevor Harris, you could say, um, gets close to it. But but Bo is in his win-loss record and his championships and his first-place finishes and all those things. It just doesn't – there's no other quarterback, really, that matches up. But – you know, if you're talking quarterback, I, re- I really don't think the money is that big a deal. I mean, there are a couple of players that will take the extra twenty grand or whatever and move to free agency. I think quarterbacks, you know, O-linemen that are looking to move are thinking about the bigger picture. You know, is the city right? Is the team right? What does a coaching staff look like? What are the facilities? Um, you know, what's my wife doing for her job? And how would that fit into this city? I think all of those things, uh, I won't say are more important than money, but, I mean, the the money after taxes, and if you're American, changing it and traveling to the States or whatever, uh, I, just, I don't think it's, it's, it's that big of a, of a, you know, a draw to, to say, well, if Hamilton saves more money and gives him a bigger contract offer than Saskatchewan, that's exact, that's where he's going for sure. I, I just don't think that is a for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I think you're looking at bigger picture uh, priorities 
for players that sign free agent contracts in the CFL. Mm-hmm. So, just, yeah. so I want to get your opinion on this. Dane Evans, Cody Fajardo. Who's who's got a better chance at a bounce back season? Do you think? Because because uh, I mean, if Bo ends up in Hamilton, Dane's gone. Cody's uh, Cody's gone from here. I don't care if the Riders haven't officially put the final nail in the coffin. When Jeremy O'Day and Craig Reynolds are talking about looking around, they're they're looking around. It's over. So, but who's got the better chance of bouncing back? Do you think? Well, I think the the most drastic of the bounce back would be Cody, only because if you compare nineteen to last year, you just saw almost two different guys. Now, there were there was a different offensive coordinator. I'm not suggesting that he didn't get along with Jason Moss, but there's a, there's a different offensive coordinator from 19 to last year. So that factors in, too. But, you know, I think Cody playing on one leg for most of the season just takes away one of his superpowers. And, and I, I think with a healthy Cody Fajardo, you can get back to running an offense that suits him well and and you'll see a four thousand yard passing guy that will also run for three or four hundred, maybe so, more. So, so let me stop you. Let me stop you there. I can't remember if we've touched on this or not, but I'm going to ask you this: Did the Riders error in the way they handled it last year and and basically moving on from him? Did they move on too fast from Cody Fajardo? I would say there were some things that I would have cleaned up with how they handled it at the end of the year. Now, having said that. It sounds like there has been no bridges burned completely. And and what I mean by that is I've, I've read that Craig Dickinson has talked to Cody uh, since, you know, the offseason began. He's he's talked throughout the offseason. I think Jeremy O'Day has as well. So, you know, it, it sounds like the, the, the book is not completely closed. I, I'm with you. I, I think... The ship is has left the dock with regards to Cody going back to Saskatchewan. I, I really do. I'll but. be I'll be quite blunt, suits. I like the I had Dave Dickinson on this show, Craig's brother. I yeah. have to be honest. I like how Dave handled it. I like how Dave handled it as opposed to Craig. Uh, Dave decided to pull Bo Levi Mitchell, and he stuck with that, and he went with that decision, and he moved on, and he wasn't, for lack of a better way of putting it, wishy-washy. I like how Dickinson, Dave Dickinson, handled that Bo situation, and I like how Bo handled that situation, too. I do, too, and you know and you know that Bo was hurting, I mean, or angry and frustrated with it, but understood that there was a young quarterback that the organization and Dave Dickinson was developing before he made the change. I mean, he had to be certain that he was getting, you know, a young sort of quarterback for the now and for the future and that he could move on from Bo. Uh, And they both handled it so professionally. I mean, there were many a conversation with the three of them in the quarterback room before he made the decision, you know, he and Bo were clearly on the same page as far as messaging and what they would say to the media and how they would handle it. Uh, Bo was excellent and professional in support of Jake Mayer and, and just was, you know, there for him and there for the team if they needed to put him back in the game like they did in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, I, I think Dave handled it very well. You know, when we did our quarterback, our, our coach rankings, that factored into it for me. Uh, just and, and it wasn't that Craig just completely botched it with Cody. I just think there was, it felt like from the fans 
from the organization in a lot of ways that he had become the reason that they were struggling on offense. And you and I both know there was so much more to it than just his play. And, and so, you know, I, I think if you make him the, you know, and not completely, but if you make him the scapegoat and then you let him go and, and say, well, that's it. And you still haven't got a starter. You still haven't got your future quarterback lined up. What are you saying to a guy who got you the two West finals? Yeah. You know, I, I just, I, I think that's where the mistake was made in, in making and in clearly Cody felt that way. Clearly, from what he said in the media, he felt like he was sort of being scapegoated. Well, it's going to be interesting because if Bo Levi Mitchell does make it to free agency and in the end chooses Hamilton or another team and not Saskatchewan, it's going to be very interesting to see what the Riders do. We'll be back with the second half of press coverage in a moment here on 620 CKRM. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at SportsCage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Back with Glenn Suter, press coverage, the lead analyst for football in this country. So, Glenn, winter meetings in uh, in Kananaskis, mm-hmm. Alberta. Anything interesting that you see or have read coming out of that? I I, I, I kind of gather they're going back. We know they're going back to St. Mary's University. They last did that in 2005, I believe. And Ambrosi hinted the Justin Duncan three-down nation. We're, may- we're looking for maybe more a temporary permanent type of situation for a stadium. Mm-hmm. And this looks to me like it's a, and, and first of all of that, I'll say, duh, no kidding. And second of all, I will say it looks like it's kind of a trial run here for this one. And it almost feels like the league, it's time to put, put up or shut up. Enough's enough. Let's do it or let's not do it. Yeah, I, I, that's what I got from that uh, in a big way. And I, I've been listening to not just Justin Dunk's interview, which was excellent, but also other, you know, interviews with the commissioner. And it sounds like they are, they are fully committed to doing everything in their power to put a, a, a tenth team in the Maritimes. And I, you know, I, when I, when I hear like, we are going to try to move mountain, I'm, I'm paraphrasing cause I, I don't know the exact quote, but we're going to try to move heaven and earth to make this happen over time. And that they've come to the realization that to ask someone to build a stadium in Halifax or Moncton that looks like Mosaic stadium is probably an unrealistic ask, especially coming out of COVID after two years and, you know, needing the government support that they would need for that. So this temporary permanent solution to get to, you know, 11 or 15,000 fans and build it over three or four years, build the franchise popularity over that time. You know, I think one thing that's not being talked about is the increase in ratings that this will provide. Can you imagine the whole another section of the country now tuning in to watch their home team? In the Canadian Football League, the scheduling, the shortening of the season, the regular season, so that we play more games in the summer. There's, those, that's the, the one thing that jumped out more than anything, Michael, with me, with the commissioners. But also, and I'm going to give them credit here, I, I hear a different tone. I hear a different tone when it comes to messaging than I heard, that I heard through the, the pandemic and coming out of the pandemic. When it was, we've got to look at this and we've got to fix that and we've got to look at other leagues that possibly help us. And we've got, you know, all those things that I thought was just awful messaging, top to bottom. I, I hear a very different commissioner. I hear a commissioner who's saying, look, those other leagues down south, whatever, we're going to deal with our game 
in our country. Yes, we want a new U.S. TV uh, deal, for sure. We want to keep working on that, and our viewers down south. But our priority is Canada. Our priority is our league, which is the best football and most exciting brand of football in the world. I'm hearing more of that type of messaging from the commissioner, and yay. I mean, let's, I love it. Yes, because yeah. it's true. <laughs> I can I can gra- I congratulate him on that too. Yeah, very good point. Uh, you got to recognize when uh, things are uh, positive for sure. A uh, little concerned though about the Montreal situation. Seems to be a, a big air of uncertainty there. I sure hope they can get that figured out because it it kind of from the outside, Glenn, seems like a bit of a mess. Jason Moss and Danny Machocha could have interesting times in free agency. I'm not saying players will say, "Oh, who's the owner? What's the ownership?" They're just going to take the money, but it just seems like it's uncertain times there. Yeah, I, you know, I, we we never like to see sort of uh, unstable ownership, and I would that's sort of the way I'd call it now because the estate and the lawyers are looking after it and paying the bills. I, you know, the good news is that the bills are being paid. And here's the other thing that has changed: the dynamic has changed when it comes to ownership in Canadian football because not because guys all of a sudden today are going to make hundreds of millions for their company. I'm not suggesting that yet. What I'm suggesting is when you look at the model that um, Amar Dolman is building in Vancouver, you know, a big city, a big market with a National Hockey League team in it, um, that that can change and that you can turn that around. And, And with his messaging and seeing what that does is it opens up more prospects to step in and take over that team and buy it if, in fact, the estate wants to sell it. If not, that they're going to continue to pay the bills and they'll continue uh, to, you know, to build uh, on on their popularity in that city again. But the the model now and the dynamic with seeing what Amar Doman has done in one year in Vancouver has now opened it up to more people with big-time money in Canada saying, hey, we might want to get into this club. Yeah, and I think there'll be other owners that will get into maybe even a bit of well, I won't I won't speculate, but I think there'll be more than one ownership group that'll be interested if in fact the estate wants to sell it. Had Chris Jones on the show this week and I asked him how he likes that the guaranteed uh, win night by his business side and Victor Quee and he kind of laughed at the Southern drawl. I'm just here to win football games. But <laughs> but I'm going to tell you Suits, it's a very important and critical year for the Edmonton Elks. Not to be negative, Nelly, but they have a guy by the name of Mr. McDavid that's running that town. It's an Edmonton Oilers town. The the Elks gotta find a way to start winning at home because you could say what you want. You could put all the business promotions you want on. You could do what Amar Dolman's doing. If he didn't have Nathan Rourke and they weren't putting on an entertaining winning product, people aren't going to go. Same thing with the riders. They could tell you all they want about inflation and gas and all that stuff and the prices and stuff. And that is a factor. But if you win, if it's a 12 and 6 Rough Rider team, you can bet your Bottom dollar, your last dollar, Ryder fans are showing up. So the Elks have to start winning. It's a critical year. Uh, Well, they do. And, you know, Chris Jones' background would suggest that it'll start this coming season, that the winning and, you know, maybe getting past 500, making the playoffs and taking a run there. um, That's sort of been his playbook, his blueprint. He gets in. He's pretty drastic in, in how he changes and reworks the roster. 
in his first year or two and year and a half. And then he, you know, he starts to get the pieces in place that he wants. And, you know, when I, when I did our, our coaches rankings, you know, I, in the second group, I had Ryan Dinwiddie, which is probably uh, a little, a little too soon to put him in that second, in that second group. And Chris Jones was in the third, but Chris Jones is, is in the second, you know, you could swap those two out too. Uh, and I, and I love the way Chris Jones handles his players and how much the players love and respect playing for him. So, uh, you know, uh, I expect them to be better this year. It is an important year. And he, and here's another thing. And again, in the Amar Dolman sort of way, yeah, it is a Connor McDavid city and maybe Connor McDavid could come and have a great respect and appreciation for Canadian football and watch a game or two from the box and 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 start to talk to fans and message that we've got two great professional teams, sports teams in our city. Gretzky and, used to uh, do it. Gretzky used to yeah. do it. Gretzky did Ab- used to do it. Absolutely. So, you know, again, I, I got, I'm a big fan of Chris Jones. I, I hope that in our rankings no one got a different impression. But I uh, like we like you said off the top there's no disrespect in any of this. It was well, no, and I mean, come on, right you, now, right? you, you might. Yeah. Fit, I don't think there's any disagreement about this. Uh, hey, I don't think Chris Jones, Luke Mulder thought he's a, the only guy in tier one. Which, listen, lists are lists because they generate interest, and that's exactly. what, and that's yeah. what the CFL needs interest. You, nobody's right or wrong; they just have an opinion. But I don't think you can argue this. I, I won't argue it. Chris Jones is right there as the top talent evaluator and collector of talent in football. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think when he when he needs a certain type of player, he can find it and he can recognize it. So the no-name guys that we don't know about all of a sudden become stars quickly because he knows that they'll suit the game. And, you know, and he can even change positions sometimes. Now, at times, I wonder, you know, and look at his in-game management. He made so many changes last year. Some were, some were pushed, uh, you know, he was pushed because of injuries. I mean, some mm-hmm. he had to make due to injury. But at the end of the day, let's see, because, again, his blueprint is by year two, he's, he's found the winning ways, winning at home, and then by year three, he's a championship cali- He's running a championship caliber team, and and we'll see because year two's coming up. That's Glenn Suter press coverage here on the Sports Cage on six twenty CKRM. Thank you for listening to the show, and we will uh, check you out tomorrow to wrap the uh, week up at the Brandt Center with Connor Bedard on the ice against the Saskatoon Blades. Have yourself a good night. Today's sports page has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.